1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, this is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky River. What's up? What's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we have a loaded podcast for you. We are going to continue our season rankings of the 30 starters for the position. Today is going to be centers. We'll break that up into three segments, 21 through 30, uh, 20 through 11, and then 10 through one. On that 10 through one segment, our buddy John will call yeah. in our patron uh, if you want to become a patron check out patreon.com slash out podcast so we'll do the positional rankings like I said broke up into those three segments we'll be ranking every single team's starter and you know we'll do it' be, be doing it best from worst. if you haven't seen we've been doing it for every other one so we've been gone through power forwards small forwards shooting guards and point guards next week it will be six men and then after that after we do our 30 center rankings we will be welcoming in Sam to the podcast a new patron well not a new patron. He is a first long-time, time patron, yeah. first time caller. Hey. Uh, he 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 is finally going to join the podcast. We're very excited for and, him to do so. In the radio biz, they call that first time, long time. Hey hey yeah. hey, Sean hey, calling that's, in. First
2: time, long time. That's why I said first
1: time, long time. Are you familiar long-time. with that right, Sean? Uh-huh. <laughs> I am. Uh, the best is when Mike Francesa, the,
0: the king of radio, has
1: these guys calling and be like, "Hey, first time, long time, Mike," uh, and he's like, "Yeah, what do you want?" Um, Shout out to the goat, Francesa. Um, anyways uh and we'll, we're gonna have sam call in and we're gonna talk a little bit <coughs> expansion and relocation business so it should be super fun but we have two patrons on so we'll plug patreon.com slash most of podcast if you want to be like john and sam well you can't be but you can be like them at least by joining us on patreon.com slash most of podcast we got the bronze tier we have the silver tier and we have the gold tier and is it right did I get
2: that yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I so, didn't know if we did
1: diamond or gold no, or something like that. Diamond
2: may be added. I don't Ooh, know. We yeah. may add one.
1: You can, you can have one. You be part of the diamond club. You could, the
2: platinum level, right on, like, right between diamond and uh, gold is platinum. We don't
1: even know what diamond is. So let's not <laughs> add another one.
0: <laughs> Just possibilities.
1: Anyways, uh, you can join us either on the bronze, silver, or gold tier at patreon.com. But, boys, let's jump into it. 21 through thirty. Ricky, mm-hmm. start us off from 30 to 21.
2: Well, starting off at number 30, depending on where you are, whether it is in America or not, this may be spelled differently, but in America it's with an E, we Dave and I learned. Um Yaakka at number thirty, um Dwight Powell at number twenty-nine, um Zubak at twenty-eight, Dwayne Deadman, twenty-seven, Thomas Brant, twenty-six, Alex Len, mm, wanted to put Damian Jones, but Alex Len at twenty-five. Cody Zell at 24, Bam Adebayo at 23, Jared Allen 22, Tristan Thompson at 21. Where would have you put, you know, Damon Jones? Would you I, put him no, that no, no, much no.
1: higher than Alex Len? Like, who cares? I don't know. It's just a debate I want to have. All right. Ooh, it's a hot debate. <laughs> People hot are debate. Gonna, can't wait to tune in. <laughs> yep. You know, the Damian Jones versus Alex Len Positional debate. battle. I love it. I Anyways, love it. Dave, goes us 21 through 30. Speaking
3: of positional battles, number 30, i got Cody Zell. I would have put Bismack Biyombo here. <laughs> I'm just saying. At 29, it's both,
1: both would have been 30. <laughs> At
3: 28, it's Alex Lynn. At 27, it's Dwight Powell. 26, Tristan Thompson. 25, Evica Zubak. At 24, Willie cauley Stein. 23 is Bam. 22 is Thomas Bryant. 21,
1: Mitch Robb. All right, and then I got uh, my 21 through 30. Starting at 30, Cody Zeller of the Charlotte Hornets. 29, Dwight Powell of the Dallas Mavericks. 28, Yaku of the San Antonio Spurs. 27, Alex Lynn of the Atlanta Hawks. 26, Wendell Carter Jr. of the Chicago Bulls. 25, Tristan Thompson of the Cleveland Cavaliers. 24, Hassan Whiteside now of the Portland Trailblazers. 23, Dwayne Dedman now of the Sacramento Kings. 22, Thomas Bryant of the Washington Wizards. And 21, Willie Cauley-Stein. Of the Golden State Warriors Now the Golden State Warriors And now we will move to our cumulative rankings At 30, Dwight Powell of the Mavericks 29, Purdo of the Spurs 28, Zeller of the Hornets 27, Len of the Hawks 26, Zubak of the Clippers 25, Thompson of the Cavs
0: 24,
1: Deadman of the Kings 23, Bryant of the Wizards 22, Bam of the Heat And 21, Wendell Carter Jr., can we start here because I have Wendell Carter Jr. apparently way lower than you guys, mm-hmm. um, even to a point where Dave, I'm, I'm looking at your rankings, we're jumping ahead here, because he is in this 21 through 30. I see that you have Jared Allen below Wendell Carter Jr. <sighs> this do. dude's played maybe 40 games. What the fuck is 40 going on here? 44 games. Right? Oh, <laughs> wow. And what did he do in those 44 games? Tell me, did he block anyone important? Because I know Yuck, uh, Jared Allen's been going up right at the rim and stuffing dudes. What has Wendell Carter done to be put in top 20? He's a good player. He's a a very well-rounded
3: player. He put up ten seven and 1.8 last year with 1.3 blocks a game. Like, just from a stat sheet line, diverse player. Not bad Mm -hmm. for his first 44 games of his career. For sure. This is a guy who is coming into the league being compared to a young Al Horford. Mm -hmm. Someone who has a good-looking shot, who we hope in time will eventually learn to shoot threes. Right now it's not there, but that's okay. In time, we'll let him get there. But it's just the fact that... He's in a position playing the five with the Bulls, where you yeah. know you're gonna be splitting Only time the with the Bulls. Five. Only the Bulls, uh, <laughs>
1: splitting time with market and Thad Young. Yeah,
3: and I Cam Felicio, Shrek's not touching the court. Please, please no. Put him on the Windy City Bulls. Um, no, I think he's in a really good position because like we've got so many guys who are drawing so much attention offensively, where he just kind of collects his quietly. And I think this year is gonna be a fantastic year for him. I think defensively, yes, Jared Allen's a better player, but I think offensively, I look at Wendell Carter as someone who is smoother around the basket. I look at him as someone who has uh, better handles. Jared Allen, amazing shot blocking capabilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. But other than that, his offensive game revolves around lobs and dunks like that. That's it. And that's Mm -hmm. fine. That's a lot of centers have that. But as, as you start to space out the floor a little bit more,
1: I want to give that increased value. Is that not Hassan Whiteside who you have above uh Wendell Carter Jr. here at seventeen? Is that not Javel McGee at fifteen here? Is that not but Andre German at eleven? I understand that, but that's what centers are today. It's either guys that can stretch the floor, yeah. which Wendell Carter cannot do yet. And yes, he was fantastic at that in college. In college and yeah. had around eighty percent from the line this year. So the 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 framework yeah, is there. That's what but, I'm saying. but Ricky. Forty four games and this guy's already had two massive injuries. One went you know, ended his season last mm-hmm. year, and then in July he had to have an abdominal muscle repaired yep. and he was out six to eight weeks. And yes, that's not gonna hamper his season. He should mm-hmm. be ready to start training camp and should be good for the, the start in October. But come on, like this guy's only played forty four games. I think you need to see a little bit more than we just put ten point zero a game. games
3: played higher. So I'm just going to put that on there. That's that's fair,
1: but but also this is a guy that has played already. And Mm -hmm. all he's shown me at least is that he can get injured. And yes, he did put up 10 points a game. That's fine. But they also didn't have their full starting lineup out there. He wasn't playing with Markinen a ton. He wasn't playing uh, with Chris Don a ton. These guys were injured. He wasn't playing with Otto Porter. I don't know how he's going to fill in. What if he becomes an absolute shadow and just hides in the darkness on this bulls offense? Because they do have Otto Porter. They do have Zach Levine. They do have Markinen. If they do you know, rely heavily on Kobe White, Kobe White's probably going to take more shots than Wendell Carter Jr. is. So, I think it might be fair to at least give Wendell Carter Jr. a little bit more time before we put him in the top 20 above guys like Jared Allen, who is going into the, we didn't the even postseason know and playing starter. well. We didn't even know if he was going to be a starter this year. Going up against DeAndre Jordan, who's been probably in our top 20 for the past four years, yeah, yeah. So it's not like he's going up against Bum. It's not like I'm Bismack saying. Biombo's replacing him here. <laughs> it is DeAndre Jordan, who has been probably top fifteen, I think, even, yes. even higher than that.
2: I
0: want to say for it was the past by four top years, 10, Ricky, what am I missing? Well,
2: the thing, first thing I want to bring up. This is kind of something that I think about. That's kind of similar, but not really because this player is in a different category than Wendell Carter Jr. But it makes me think back to 2016 when we were doing small forward rankings. There was a certain someone called Ben Simmons who had not played a single game the year before. And we had him ranked 19th overall. I had him 9. Dave had him 14. Sean, you had him at 15. This is just Mm -hmm. the trend of our rankings. Like, I'm really hot. The people that haven't proven themselves... I'm really high on them. Dave's in the middle on them. Sean's really low on them. And what Dave was saying is I agree with what Dave said. Everything that you mentioned where it's like Hassan Whiteside, I have Wendell Carter above him. JaVale McGee, I have him above him. Where Dave says those are true members, are better forms of what Jared Allen is, I agree with you, Sean. Wendell Carter should be above them. It's just everyone above Wendell Carter to me, it's your center that it's, Not just, oh, you're the best one on that team, or it's not you're a role player on that team. It's you are something special in the league. Like, you are a name that people know, you do your job very well, and you may do other things. And for Wendell, yes, he's only played 44 games. But if he can play a full season, I think Wendell could show me that he's at least the 15th best center in the league. With a full season. And that's what I'm hoping for this year from Wendell is that he'll play a full season.
1: See, I, I'm, I'm hoping for the same thing. I'm not hoping for a bill of injuries for Wendell yeah. Carter Jr. I hope that he is healthy. And, and does he have the framework to become Al Horford? Absolutely, But I just want to see more out of there. Where Jared Allen, last year, no, that was his second year. He did put up 10 points a game, Mm -hmm. like Wendell Carter Jr. He had more rebounds than Wendell Carter Jr. He averaged a block and a half a game. He shot 60% at the field. He was a guy that had, I think, a a total of seven win shares last year. He was a guy that was absolutely an impact player on a postseason team (laughs) where Wendell Carter was a side note on this Bulls team that, hey, it's a bonus that we're getting this kid back. Now it's like we have three rookies in Wendell Carter Jr., Daniel Gafford, and Kobe White. And I understand that you guys, as Bulls fans, are excited. But come on, let's be a little bit realistic here. That was Ben Simmons. That was the number one pick. We knew that that wasn't going to be a debilitating injury, and he only had one. And we thought, hey, this is the Sixers. What do they do best They tank. So why not hold him out, make sure he's fully healthy, tank, and we can just run this whole tank back again. It wasn't like we were genuinely concerned about Ben Simmons' injury history. We knew that this was a pretty fairly Mm -hmm. light and easy injury that we knew that we were going to hold him out just because they weren't playing for anything anyways the Bulls probably wanted to see what they had in Wendell Carter Jr. but he wasn't available and Mm -hmm. even throughout this offseason he wasn't available he wasn't available to play in the summer league so I do have my genuine concerns about his injuries already because he's had two somewhat you know important or somewhat significant injuries now
3: now you can say significant I can say minor
1: well, can it right? I mean, he's out for at least a month for yeah. both of them. I mean, over a month. So, I mean, yeah. that's that's if he that happens during one the FX season,
3: minutes though. Yeah, yeah
1: but if that, if that would happen during the season, he's yeah. out you know two months there, and he's only playing what around forty games again. Yeah. So, that's my concern. There is if if these are happening in season, and this isn't just a thing that happened you know randomly in the offseason while working out, and this is something where his body isn't going to hold up. I do have genuine concerns about that because I don't think he's even fully. Up to NBA size, yeah. I still think yeah. he needs to add on weight, and if he's doing that, and he's you know banging down low with some of these bigger guys. He might get injured again, so that is my concern with Wendell Carter Jr. I think he does need to play, prove himself just a little bit more, like you know him against Bam Adebayo. I understand that Adebayo does not have the range that mm-hmm. you know Wendell Carter Jr. is possibly offering out there. He absolutely doesn't, but he does bring a ton of energy. They absolutely love him. He is a guy that really brings that starting five together, and I think that is a big part Bam of. Might these. not
3: even be in the starting five because they could slide Kelly O
1: there. They, they, like they, they, they could, the, but that's mm-hmm. that's what the Heat do. It's, <laughs> I, if, if you're looking at their best starting lineup, it involves Bam Adebayo out there and yeah. Kelly Olynyk at the four. Yep. So whatever they do with the starting lineup, I mean, Jakob Pertl isn't one of the best five players for the Spurs, but that's what we assume they'll do. Easily, yeah. you could slide in Rudy Gay at the four and then slide everybody I yep. down. So I, I look at this and I look at you know what Wendell Carter brings. I haven't seen enough from him to warrant a top 20 ranking. And I'm glad he ended up at 21 because I think that's a fair spot for him. You know, I mean, Dwayne Dedman's been a guy that can prove it. He was shooting from the outside last year for the Hawks, did well and earned himself a contract, right? Tristan Thompson's one of the better consistent, you know, 10 and 10 guys throughout the league. I would like to see a little bit more out of Wendell Carter Jr. Um, and that's really only the young guy that sticks out here. You could talk a little bit about Vika Zubak, who ended up being at 26. Just Um,
3: real quick, back to the stat checks. Uh, Jordan was a top 10 center for the last three years, and I think Mm -hmm. a top three or or no, a top five center the first year we did this. Uh,
1: so I figure his minute split four. He was four fourth. behind Cat Drummond and Boogie.
3: Yeah, so I figure his minute split with Jared Allen might affect the stat line as well. Mm-hmm. But but even then, well, and who then he, when it comes but, down to crunch time, who are you going to trust? Uh, Allen, absolutely. It's he, a, and, I think it's a fair question to ask. DeAndre Drummond has one, slowed, ha- or, one guy has absolutely um, synergy with Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. and that's how this team's going to win games. So, it's whatever Kyrie's comfortable with.
1: Understood, but DeAndre Jordan has slowed down. This is not the DeAndre Jordan that was third. He's been free-falling yep. ever since oh, that, that, that fourth yeah. ranking that we had in 2016. So, free-falling well, all the way to 10. Like, come on. Get out of here. Would he, what? Been, would he have been 10 this year? Uh, probably not. Probably no. probably would have been fifteen range. So he went from four all the way down to fifteen. In I mean, five
3: years—that's not bad.
1: He's he's not the same impact he's player that he was. He wasn't. He's not still you know close to top of the league. He's, he's not still contending for thirty. <laughs> he's yeah, he's not contending for all defense anymore. He was traded from the Mavs to the Knicks, and the Knicks didn't even want to sign him back, which is fair. He probably he wanted to yeah. sign with the Nets anyways. Yeah. But this was a team. This was a guy that you know. He was expendable for these teams last year. He's not this guy that is needed. Where Jared Allen is absolutely loved by this Nets front office. And if you probably put a gun to their head and they're like, hey, you know, we can give Jared Allen, you know, twenty eight oh, yeah. minutes a night, or we mm-hmm. can sign Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, that's why they signed DeAndre Jordan, is so they can get Kyrie and KD, yeah. not because they really are in love with DeAndre Jordan, it's because he was going it's to secure the, yeah, the KD and well, Kyrie deal. And the
2: other thing I want to throw out with that is like from um Nets Daily, which I believe this is from SB, yes, SB Nation and their sites, they even say it's summer league. So in a summer league interview, Kenny Atkinson didn't seem to be bothered by having so many bigs with different skill sets. Um he thinks there are plenty of opportunities. He likes competition and thinks minutes could be decided by the situation on the court. Yeah. So it's like, hey, does DeAndre Jordan fit this situation better than a Jared Allen? That's what's going to decide. I, it's I, not going to be I like, mean, Jared Allen's the one, and that's the whole season. He's personally good
3: at balancing minutes. They're, they were mm. kind of similar to the Celtics, where it's like, we had five guys playing between 22 mm. and 29 minutes a game. And they've got a like, boatload of fours, too. They, they just played depth of yeah, that. I, they I, did I lose Ed Davis, but you know, I think that— Playoff time, they're a better team because of that.
1: I don't want to get too much in the waters with Allen because he is in the next round, but at least going back to the Wendell Carter thing, with Jared Allen and kind of bringing that back in, I think one thing that Allen and Carter do not have is right now the situational awareness that a DeAndre Jordan would bring or what Robin Lopez brought to the Bulls last year of knowing where to be on pick and rolls, where where to spot themselves in the lane. I don't think they have that offensive awareness yet, and that's still something that they do need to grow. But if these guys do grow it, they will be offensive forces. And already right now we can see that Jared Allen at the rim is dynamic. He can stuff shots every single time. He was stuffing Giannis out there last year um, where Wendell Carter, you know, he is more of a guy that is fluid. He can guard fours. He can guard fives. Um, he can, you know, make put some plays at the rim, but he can really guard guys up uh, yeah. around the perimeter as well. So, I mean, these guys do have these defensive knacks to them. The offensive games are still developing just a little bit more. Other than that, 22 through 30 is kind of a wasteland. Does anyone jump off the page for you guys?
2: I've got a question. This is something that I know when I read off my rankings. You kind of mock because it's like it's 20, it's what, 21 through 30? Yeah. Like the big cats, the bigger fish are up top. But one thing I really wonder is something that I know Sean and I kind of went back and forth on a little bit um, when we were coming up with the list is the Atlanta Hawks. Yes, Alex Len had a better season last year Mm -hmm. than we're used to seeing. What do the Hawks do with him and now Damian Jones, who they brought over from the Warriors, that, yeah, he only played 24 games last year, but he started 22 of those 24 for the Warriors last season?
1: Well, here, since we were having the argument, I'll pick it up and then mm-hmm. Dave, you can kind of settle yeah. set, settle the score here. Damian Jones has played a career of 49 games. Right, and he he was not trusted by the Warriors consistently throughout his first two years. He wasn't consistently healthy, and then he finally got some bill of health and started playing with the Warriors. But let's also look at who the Warriors had at center last year. Mm-hmm. They need to bring in Andrew Bogut from overseas back. They were desperate for center. So I don't think that the fact that he's played 22 games or started 22 games mm-hmm. for this Golden State Warriors team means that he's a better player because he was playing on a better team. We look at Alex Lynn. He started 31 games of his 77 games for the Hawks last year, and that was with... De Wayne Dedman, who's above Alex Lynn on these rankings for good reason. He is a better player. Um, I, I think the already um, the the what's it called the um, cohesion, the the uh, uh, knowledge of playing with these guys already, like Trey Young, like Kevin mm-hmm. Herder, is going to give Alex Len at least the start already out of the gates over a guy like Damon Jones, who doesn't know this offense, who hasn't worked with um, blanking on the Atlanta Hawks Hawks coach's name, uh, Lloyd Pierce, um, hasn't played with Lloyd Pierce yet, where Alex Len has, and Alex Len looks pretty decent for Alex Len's standards last year with the Hawks. So I think it's just because he's already played with the Hawks already, started 31 games, knows what it's like to play next to Trey Young, where Damon Jones, maybe at the end of the year, he could win that starting role. I just think to start, since they already do have that cohesion, Mm -hmm. and have already played together, I think that's why Len's gonna get the bump. Because again, he wasn't bad last year. They let Deadman walk for a reason. That was because yeah. they thought they saw enough from Len last year, and Damon Jones can bring up something a little bit different than what Len can do. Because Len is pretty athletic, where I think Damon Jones is more of that typical run block dunk guy.
3: Yeah. I I want to lean towards Len to start this year as the as the starter as well. It's just he's a solid guy with a reptor. He's got experience, he's got mm-hmm. game knowledge that Damon Jones just doesn't have. He's been Damon Jones has been around winners. If I mean, there credit to them, like. That, that's the whole and thing. he's coming
2: from a system the Hawks want a copy.
3: I, I'm just saying, he's a spy. <laughs> yeah. he, he he knows exactly. He's bringing over the information. He knows Travis. Yeah. Tra,
1: tra, the, uh, Travis linky I think is how you say his last name. He was a guy that was in the Golden State front office when mm-hmm. they drafted Damon yeah. Jones. So, yeah. I mean, he has knowledge of Damon Jones.
3: But mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, uh, Alex Lenz, solid. I think he's an okay player and I'm just not ready to see the unprovenness of Damon mm-hmm. Jones thrust into that starting lab. Not like the, not like the Hawks have, like, expectations through the roof mm-hmm. this year but i think it's very much a you earn your place on that team they've got a lot of, lot of competition for Bruno roles.
2: Fernandez who's also got, got Bruno it. Fernando for those of you who know. are new yep. um but i mean they've even got him peppered into the center to where it's like i i threw out Damon Jones when that's like when you were like oh Alex Long a prior season i was like okay Alex line. like it wasn't yeah. a hill i wanted to die on but like the hawks just their center position to me is like if Alex lens in the starter What do we then expect from like a a Damon Jones, a um, Bruno Fernando to be peppered in with Len? Because I think all three of these guys are going to get time.
1: Uh, well, I think it's probably going to just go hierarchy. Len's been there before, so he's going to get more minutes. Mm-hmm. Jones is more of a veteran, so he'll get more minutes than Fernando, and Fernando will get his minutes when needed, when, whether that be blowout times yeah. or you know sometimes just to spell Clean some of, of those lines. guys. Yep. If an injury happens, he'll get time. I mean, he's still a rookie. He needs to prove himself. He needs to learn the, 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 the offense. He needs mm-hmm. to learn the rotation. He needs to get in and get reps with these guys. So it's not for sure cardio. certain that he's going to... Yeah. It's not for sure certain that he's even going to get 10 minutes a game this yeah. year. Um, he, he really needs to prove himself. I think he'll have to do that uh, throughout... Uh, throughout practices um i think probably one guy that oh no the other guy that i was thinking this is such a thin fucking group <laughs> that i'm looking at tr- the guy who's sitting at 20 and hassan Whiteside that i'm like oh we can go to hassan white like, nope. <laughs> that's 20 um <laughs> no come on i mean D- deadman maybe deadman i'm pretty probably the most intrigued out of these guys outside of wendell carter um here now moving to sacramento they win after a ton of veterans in yeah. free agency, Dave. And we saw what Denman was able to do with the Hawks, able to add a three-point game. I think it could be interesting for this team that was relying so much on Willie Cauley-Stein last year. Now they can really throw out a ton of different looks to teams. They could throw out Denman, who could stretch out the floor. They can throw out your boy, Harry Giles. Uh, they could throw out Bialyza. Yeah. They could throw out Bagley at the five. They have a lot of new looks now. I think it would be interesting with Denman.
3: Yeah, no, their 4-5 combo with that depth is absolutely just... It, it's exciting because of the possibilities or they could just, you know, be the Kangs and roll out three centers at once because that's a lineup they've done before. <laughs> Check it. Like, that's.
1: It's happened. That, We're just rolling that. That was it. the Dave Yeager Kings, by the way. <laughs> that was not the apparently Luke Walton Kings. Now exactly. we'll see if he even keeps his job with this whole. Oh, well, they this, yeah, the they investigation was closed. So we'll see what happens. But, um, but no,
3: I, I love Deadman. Um, I've got him ranked pretty highly because he was able to add that shot so quickly. Um. I think it's definitely revitalized his career because he was a guy who was kind of middling and, you know, he had some success with the Spurs moved over to the Hawks, AKA the Spurs East for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's just been like, all right, what, what next, what else can he add to his toolbox to make sure he has that value to get out, get the mates on the court. Cause he's a smart player and he knows how to position himself. Well, it really just comes down to like how limited is he by his speed right now. Mm-hmm. And because he's able to add that shot to stretch it out, like it, it's a big X factor for teams and the Kings, came up big with this because they have someone who crashes the glass
1: as hard as Marvin Bagley does offensively. It's a huge win. For- and I'm glad you brought up the speed part because, you know, you, you talk about Dedmon's lack of speed, but you look at that starting lineup, Deere and Fox, one of the quickest guards out there. Betty Heald's got some speed to him and Bagley. I mean, that is a guy that's probably <laughs> one of the fastest power forwards yep. already. And we're even talking about his possibilities at center. I think that, you know, that speed is probably going to You know the speed in other places is going to help Devin really shine because he can put himself in the right spots. He can stretch the floor. He can score in different trailing threes. (laughs) He can trailing threes. Yeah, I mean, and they move the ball around a a lot too, which he can do. So I I really love his addition to this because not only does he give him a versatile uh, or the ability to be versatile in their looks, but also he does add something in a veteran presence to some of these young guys that do have those speed and that athleticism and that kind of, you know, young juices. Yeah. They can get after it when Deadman can just really, you know, slowly methodically pick apart uh, defenses, which I absolutely love. And defensively, he's, again, he puts himself in good spots. He learned from pop yeah. and he played, came from the G league all the way up to the Spurs and then got himself paid in Atlanta and now Sacramento. I really love Deadman. I think he's a great addition. Yep. Ricky, anyone, final thoughts at least, uh, on any of these names that we haven't touched um, that you you really stick out? Bam, Thomas Bryant, Tristan Thompson, Zubak. I know it's kind of a thin list here.
2: The one I just want to throw out there, give some love to, is Thomas Bryant. He's one that last year we didn't have on these rankings. We had Dwight Howard instead. Um, For good reason. Yeah, but had not (laughs) a bad year last year as... His first like I know it wasn't his rookie season, but it was pretty much his Mm -hmm. first year of getting significant games and now having a team that's gonna be John Wall's probably not gonna be there maybe the whole year. Like Mm -hmm. Bradley Beal might get traded if we talk about those rumors in the middle of the year again. Like this could this could be a year where Thomas Bryant could take a step and I wanna see him take a step because the three guys we have the top, Carter, Bam, and Bryant Those are the three guys that are the answer to the question you usually ask of who's moving into the top 20 next year or could.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably throwing Zubak out there. and I think Pirtle obviously has the youth at least to move up, but I, I, I don't think he will. Um, and Zubak's pretty limited, at least in what he can do, not that athletic, pretty slow with his feet, but does put himself he's in got good... soft hands. Yeah, he puts himself in good situations defensively, and again, soft hands. I mean, that dude puts up like 15 in the blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, just because they dump it in, he's, he's he's able to get it up really quickly. But um, yeah, I would agree with that. Carter's probably the easiest one to move into the top 20, but after that, I would probably say Bam and Bryant too, just because they can make impacts, and just because of their, their, their uh, ages right now, um, they definitely can move up. Other guy I love too is Denman at 24, but this is really just an absolute fucking wasteland of a I feel like we're play.
3: like somehow disrespecting Trins, Tristan Thompson out of this entire list though. Like he's a good player. I just don't He's just
2: on a bad team.
1: But he got injured last year. He wasn't fully healthy. He's on a bad team. Like if he was moved at the deadline, I'd like him as a bench big. Yeah. But, but is he better than a bench big at this point in time? No. Really? I don't think so. Okay. I mean that's why he's 25. I mean, you, you had him at 26. I you know. had him below him
2: where he actually is,
1: Dave. Oh, I know. He's my,
2: in... my question is... <laughs> yeah. Ricky's the one who had
1: him at 20, the highest of 21. He, he
2: doesn't... Here's my Tristan yeah. Thompson question. Oof. Who pays him the next Tristan year? Thompson That's a guys. problem. Because no contract year, do the Cavs re-sign him? I wouldn't. Where does he go and who pays him money? Does Because he's not going to get... The money that I think he's making right now, which is eighteen. No,
1: he, he won't be getting eighteen mil, and I think he's going to be kind of it. just like one of those guys that you know a playoff team picks up because he has experience with LeBron, mm-hmm. he has experience in. in so the Lakers, in, honestly, the Lakers. Yeah, <laughs> um, if Dwight Howard doesn't work out, Tristan Thompson's a Laker. I absolutely probably. agree with you. Yeah. Actually, I mean, he he's a guy that you know can come off the bench, be. Uh, be super hyperactive yep. out there. Grab some boards and put up points. I mean, he's he's a fine player. He's just not. He just isn't healthy. He's just fine. He missed a shit he's, ton of games the last three years. He's fine it's all Tristan Thompson does TristanThompson.com is (laughs) fine you you, you go to that and it just says he's fine he's fine Um, anyways uh, that's going to do it for 21 through 30 we're super excited uh, to get to these next ones 11 through 20 and fully finally uh, 1 through 10 so we could talk Jokic versus Embiid but let's move into the next topic and that is 11 through 20 and you might notice Dave's water bottle if you are a very intent listener um, I mean it is if you're a good listener you're probably watching 30 21 through 30 then 11 through 20 then 1 through 10 and then the uh, expansion relocation one. But if you're watching out of order for some reason, you might notice that from the 30 to 21, and then the (laughs) 1 to 10, and then 11 (laughs) through 20, Dave's... Water bottle has progressively gotten lower, and that's because we have recorded this out of order to make sure we can get our patrons on, uh, John and Sam. So we are glad to... So we might relapse on a couple of these these points, but we're going to hit the ones that I know for sure we talked about and we want to talk about. So we're going to do 11 through 20, and we're going to start off by Ricky taking us through his rankings, 11 through 20. Ricky, take it away.
2: Yeah, starting it all off, uh number 20, Hassan Whiteside, then number 19, JaVale McGee, because... Boogie Cousins can't stay healthy. Um, At 18, Wendell Carter Jr. 17, Mitch Robb. Number 16, Sean's boy, Derek Favors. Um, 15, WCS, Willie Cauley-Stein. Number 14, Enos Cantor. 13, John's boy, Steven Adams. Then at 12, Jonas Valanchunas. And at number 11, Marcus All. All
3: right. All right, Dave, take us 11 through 20. At number 20, I've got Jared Allen. At nineteenth, Wendell Carter Jr. 18, du- Dwayne Dedman. At seventeen, Hassan Whiteside. Sixteen, Derek Favors. Fifteen, Jabelle McGee. Maybe Dwight Howard. Uh, at fourteen, <laughs> Jonas Jalen Junis. At thirteen, Enos Cantor. At twelve, DeAndre Ayton. And at eleven,
2: Andre Drummond. I forgot he's a fucking grizzly. He needs the He J. needs
3: the extra J. Jonas Jalen Junis. Yep. Love it. For the
1: Jempfis Drizzlies. <laughs>
3: Okay. Let's move I mean, in. I'm sure they love
1: this every single my position I do this. Before so. we do, can the we just yours? change the Grizzly to a J? <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> it's like GIF though. GIF. GIF Before yeah. we get into yours, I told no, no Dave the actual to the letter
2: J. Okay. Someone who liked one of our uh, Twitch uh, tweets yesterday. His whole Twitter account was Brandon Clark for MVP. Oh yeah. yeah. So it. there's a Brandon Clark MVP push. Oh. A Jandon Jark. A
1: Jandon Jand Jark. Jand Jark. Jand Jark. A Jandon <laughs> Jark.
2: A JVP
1: push. Jost Valuable Jark cast.
2: Jost Jalual
1: Jair. It doesn't make any sense.
2: He hits those J's, man. 11
1: through 20. At 20, I have Vic Zubak. At 19, I have JaVale McGee. At 18, I have Bam Adebayo. At 17, I have Mitchell Robinson. At 16, I have Steven Adams. At 15, I have Jonas Jalen Junas. At 14, I have Jarrett Jalen. At 13, I have Genus Chanter. At 12, I have Jump Jopez. care. At 11, I have Jark Jasal, former Jemphis Jizzly.
0: Forgot the R, man. <laughs>
2: Let's
1: move into the cumulative rankings, and I'll say it like their actual names. At twenty, we have Video Hassan tomorrow. White, side of the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> At nineteen, we have Willie Colleystein, now of the Golden State Warriors. At eighteen, we have Jared Allen, who is a star in the twenty-one through twenty segment of the Brooklyn Nets. At seventeen, we have Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. At sixteen, we have JaVale McGee of the Los Angeles Lakers. At fifteen, we have Jonas Valanciunas of the Memphis Grizzlies. At fourteen, we have Derek Favors, now of the New New Orleans Pelicans. At 13, we have Enos Cantor now of the Boston Celtics. At 12, we have Steven Adams of the Oklahoma City Thunder. And at 11, we have Splash Mountain himself, Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks. Guys, we've talked a lot about these players already. Uh, you know, we'll get to uh, Derek Favors a little bit. We'll get to Stephen Adams. And we'll get to uh, we'll get to Derek Favors and Stephen Adams in the one through ten segment. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit here too. Um, and we got to Jared Allen already in the uh, twenty-one through twenty. But one guy that is new to this list totally has never been on this list. Yep. Is in his second year and is already at seventeen. And probably even John said that he wants him higher. Mitchell Robinson of the New York Knicks. What a showing for this second-round mm. player last year. What went into your guys' uh, mindset of, Ricky, you putting him at 17, and Dave, uh, you putting him at 21. What, what what do you like from Mitchell Robinson last year?
2: I mean, the thing I love most about him is just his defensive, like what he brings to the game defensively, and then his reboundings, but more importantly, that defensive side. Like, he is, the two things I look for from a center is, like if you can shoot the three, that's a little cherry on top, but it's rebounding and defense. And you've got to be the guy that... If someone is going to drive into the lane, I'm a 90s guy, so knock him on his ass, but I know you can't do that anymore, but you got to be the Stonewall. You are the last line of defense, and that's what Mitch Robb can be for this Knicks team.
3: I mean, Mitch Robinson does knock people on their ass because he bites on every single pump fake <laughs> in existence, and look, I love this kid. I loved him in high school. When we, you know, heard about the whole college situation going down, uh, Sean, myself, and Ricky all were pretty much in the loop as far as where his talent meant he should be going, and we correctly predicted kind of where that would line up in the NBA mm-hmm. draft. Uh, shame that he still fell to the second round. Scott should listen us, just saying. Just toss out there. We're just
1: geniuses on this end. Absolute um, geniuses. <laughs> if I had to look at us three bozos and clowns, <laughs> I would totally describe us as geniuses. Yeah. As yep. we're saying Jim Bruce <laughs>
2: As I put up a old screenshot of us in the tinfoil hats.
1: Yes.
3: (laughs) Yes. This is is just consistency. Hey, if Man Genius got a nickname, Mm -hmm. we can take it too.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, But no, like, the kid is so athletic and he's so strong and passionate. Um, Any shot that goes up near him, he's going to swipe at. He had, I, didn't he have like an eight block game last year? Was six or eight? It was somewhere in that range, and it was hilarious. Oh, he had
1: five fouls, too. Oh yeah,
3: he, he <laughs> fouled out. Probably he fouled out. The man, like he, like I said, I, I'm joking, but not really because he does hit people. He's just
1: a contact magnet. But even then, it's not like he's just a rim protector because he was flying. Everything. oh yeah no like he, he can guard anything i know this is a name that could either mean like you're putting him in in hallowed honors here or you're yeah. just putting him into a guy that's overrated but he did he pulled the Zion. he literally jumped from the block and jumped all the way out to a guy that was shooting a three and blocked it like there was a moment that he absolutely did that closed out from the opposite block yep. on a guy that started his shooting motion and came over and stuffed the shit out of the ball yeah he is a fiend for the block and we're looking at this stuff and I agree with John and he's gonna talk about it in one through ten defense is probably the most important part of this, of this whole, uh, you know, rankings. I understand you're gonna be like, well, Jokic is a, is a worse defender than Joel Embiid. Because like is. I said, like I said,
2: is that what I sound like?
1: Uh, yes, that's okay. what fans sound like. Oh, okay. um, oh.
2: but like what, uh,
1: fan, just everyone that's not uh, fans Embiid of teams. fans. and yeah. no, strictly Joel Embiid oh, fans. Okay, um, no, but like I said, Embiid, one-on-one playground ba- basketball, he's a better defender. But Jokic is good enough defensively mm-hmm. to uh, team-wise to be a, to be up there in the competition with Embiid, and then the offense sets him apart. So it's not like he's a bad defender. Yep. He, he's, he's a very good basketball defender when it comes to team defenders. Mitchell Robinson, one of those guys that can take you in the playground. Um, but uh, to, yeah. to at least go to your point of his, his most blocks in a game, um, I'm trying to pull it up. This computer's absolutely slow, um, but he did average 3.3 um, 3. 3 blocks uh, per game. He had five games of 5 plus blocks 1 to 2 blocks in 29 games and 3 to 4 blocks in 25 games his uh, his nine. block high was 9 against Orlando, and he only had 2 personal fouls, and he had 9 blocks in 22 minutes, uh, pretty damn insane, yeah, so, I remember that
3: game because I just remember the number, like after 5, I got an ESPN alert, and I was like alright, what is going on in this game
1: well here's the thing is I'm looking at the the his game log and it says game log summary and it gives you all the times that he scored like 10 to 19 points and like 22 um, and it says for 7 it says 0. So I was like oh he must Dave just misremembered he had 6. No he had 9 and they don't have a spot for 9 blocks. They just <laughs> didn't put it there cuz it wasn't 7 it was fucking 9. <laughs> it's insane. Um but yeah no he's he's incredible and and I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. What's the biggest thing you need you think he needs to add Dave? Is it just, you know, better prowess defensively and you know making sure he reigns in those fouls or do you think it's yeah. more of an offensive game
3: no it, it's the fouls i mean he fouled out eight of times eight games he had five fouls another seven times it looks like i mean it's just he needs to be able to be on the court more and that's that's all it comes down to is when he gets out there if you look at his minutes play like yes as the season goes on it should go in the right direction but unfortunately like there's a lot of times where he's just short stints and you have to kind of pick and choose your moments as a player. And he takes the bait a lot of the time because he's a young one. He's ambitious. He wants to go out there and get his and prove that he's the guy. And that's fantastic. And I love him for it. But at the same time, you got to rein it in just a smidge. You, you, you got to be one of those guys because you're one of the faces of the franchise for sure.
1: What do you What do you over there? Fifteen times he uh, had five or more files <laughs> in one game. In November eighteenth, he played a total of eight minutes. And had five fouls. Yeah. <laughs> incredible stuff there from Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, oh, yeah, no. It's he's got, he's he a, got such upside, the
3: though. Yeah. And that's what's incredible. I mean, the Knicks gave us some of the best moments last year. Between him just blocking the shove, everything, the nine block game, Mara Hazonia just absolutely making LeBron look like a bitch, making Giannis look like a bitch. Um, you know, it's just I wish the Knicks as a whole had more to give mm-hmm. because he's in a position this year where they've loaded up that front court. And I am a little bit concerned about how how and if it could hurt his growth because you're adding an offensive powerhouse in Julius Randle. So does that mean that we're not going to see him, you know, develop his offensive skill set because he can kind of lean on Julius to carry that load?
2: Yeah, well, well I and think the I kinda offense isn't going to run through him either.
1: Well, yeah, it's it definitely going to run through it. It didn't last year, but I think the biggest thing that I, I like is now that you have another guy that can score down low. I think it really opens him up to learn to be a pick-and-roll guy, and I think you literally just mold him into what prime DeAndre Jordan was. If you're able to get him into, because he's a similar body type, he needs to add up a little bit more muscle to get up to DeAndre level, or at least a little bit more leaner. But, I mean, that guy didn't have a college program. He came straight out of high school. He committed to Western Kentucky then didn't go. Um, But, like, he he didn't have a full, like, weight training program, and now he has that with the Knicks. And I I think it's really interesting to see what his body can actually add on to. And he's a guy that... You know, he has the body, he has everything to do, so, and I think it's only skies up for him. Um, but, Ricky, let's go to you. And really, 11 through 15, it's kind yeah. of the... Uh,
2: One more thing about Metro yeah, before I move on is you asked Dave, like, what could he need to improve this year? To me, is rebounds because the thing I think he can do if he has a skyrocketing of, like, I'm going to haul in all the rebounds under the earth, he could be in the discussion for Defensive Player of the Year. He's got the DPM, the defensive... Plus, uh, plus minus, he's got the blocks per game that uh, Gobert had last year. He just didn't have the rebounding.
1: To at least help you out there, I mean, I, I think it's more of their impact on a game, and I think mm-hmm. the fouls is what kills them the most. He, he's not a great defender yeah, His per-36 numbers aren't yeah,
3: realistic because of that. He's a
1: very good blocker, um, but he's he's not. A, I don't think he's a great defender yet mm-hmm. because of, of what we were talking about uh, earlier, his his trigger happiness of, of going after blocks too much. And I was going to bring up the per-36, Dave. Uh, like what you're going to say. Because per-36, 11 rebounds, which is pretty damn good. Um, but like four blocks a game, he's not going to average four blocks a game in 36 minutes and only play 20 minutes a game. So we didn't get a full representation of what he can do out there defensively. But hell, you look back on that year, over 150 blocks and over 50 steals. Yes. Pretty damn good. Uh, so the counting stats are there. I don't think he's fully there yet, um, at least defensively, but he's definitely on a fast-track up these rankings, mm-hmm. but like I was gonna say, 16 through 20 is kind of these long jumpy boys, right? They're, they're, they're the guys <laughs> who, are, who are long boy. and they're skinny. They could they could dunk, they could rebound, and they could block. And then oh. 11 through 15, you have these smoother guys that have more at different assets to their game. Mm-hmm. They, they they don't aren't just you know guys that set picks and, and grab offensive boards and that's where they gain their their buckets. Let's stick in the long jumpy boys at least. Javale, Mitch Robinson, Jared Allen, Willie Colley Stein, Hassan Whiteside. Who do you think will make the most? impact for their team this year? Maybe not the best player, but who do you think will have the biggest impact, whether that be towards a championship or towards a playoff push? Who do you think will be the most impactful?
2: I'm going to shock you here. Hassan Whiteside. And the reason why I say that is... That's my pick. That was also my pick. Change of scenery. Shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shit. A,
4: change of scenery.
2: B, that team needs someone to play down low with uh, Nurkic. A, Nurkic being injured still, and B, Enos Kanter not um, being there anymore with his help that he had during the playoffs, I don't, I don't like, I don't want to stand on the soapbox and say Hassan Whiteside's gonna be back this year. But I want to, like, I'm curious to see what he's gonna bring to that Portland team and if a change of scenery, just not being in Miami and yeah. not having to play Joel Embiid every other game, it was gonna help him.
3: I mean, I, I agree, Hassan Whiteside. Just he needs that push, and I'm hoping Portland is the right environment for him. Um, at least for especially half the year. especially playing
2: with a guy like Dame,
3: at least for half the year, because you know there are there are talks over there about like yeah, we'll use him until Nurkic gets back, and mm-hmm. then we'll ship his ass out of town. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but but I will say that you know it's not bad to have someone who can come in and block every shot yeah. and, and is a decent scorer next to the rim. Like he he is a good player. The contract just. In context, makes him look bad. I think at times. Well, then
1: maybe this is probably just on our end because you did have Hassan Whiteside above Mitchell Robinson. Ricky and I did not. Ricky yeah. had uh, Mitchell, Mitchell at seventeen and uh, Hassan at twenty, and I had Mitch at uh, seventeen and Hassan at twenty-four. I think the biggest reason why Hassan will do that is just because of the play that the place that he is in, and it's not really anything that is to do with Hassan Whiteside. Because if he was in Miami. I think he'd probably be around 24 because I just don't think he had his head in the game. And I don't know if he'll exactly have his head in the game with Portland, but I do think he'll have the biggest impact because, let's be honest, Mitchell Robinson isn't playing for a playoff team. So the biggest thing that he needs to do is just work on himself. JaVale McGee, he might not even be the center by December if Dwight Howard's healthy. Clearly, Dwight Howard's a better player uh, yeah. than, than JaVale McGee. But JaVale McGee was fantastic last year, but he's not— he's limited minutes. He's not— That was a problem. Yeah, he's not the star. And and even then, JaVale McGee can easily get booted out if Dwight Howard's healthy or if they move Anthony Davis to the five. So, I mean, JaVale McGee is pretty expendable. I don't think they're going to win a championship because of JaVale McGee. Willie Cauley-Stein, he could be interesting in Golden State because I think he's probably the best big they've had in a while, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Probably since Prime Bogut. Probably since DeMarcus Cousins. <laughs> he wasn't healthy. <laughs> Play off DeMarcus Cousins. Don't care. I, I don't think DeMarcus lived up to the hype. I love At the least watch for Golden State. I, well, I would, I would say Prime Bogut was more impactful than DeMarcus was. Whatevs. If, uh, if they didn't have Prime uh, Bogut... Bogut on they,
3: that team, I agree. If they was, didn't have Prime Bogut, they wouldn't have won a championship. They, I agree. They didn't
1: win a championship with no. So
3: Willie Colley is a motivational problem. Same as Hassan Whiteside. Batman did not try, and it was
1: apparent. And that's why I think with the Warriors, I think Cauley-Stein might get lost a bit. I don't think he, I think they usually typically lose their fives and a big thing that you need to do as a five in that system is be able to pass and I really not have not seen that in his game where Whiteside, he doesn't really need to do that and obviously Nurkic being able to pass takes him up to the next level but yeah. I think he can very much survive in Portland being a five that can run and stretch the floor and grab boards because these aren't, you know, Dame isn't like Russ or and CJ isn't like James Harden where they do have bigger bodies and go up and grab boards, they need someone to grab those boards and then start the fans break, and that is what Hassan Whiteside could do. So, while I don't think that Hassan Whiteside can typically play up to this level, mm-hmm. I do think that he's a great fit in Portland. I oh, think yeah. another reason too I ranked him a little bit lower is because Nurkic is going to come back and that's going to hurt his output, but I think for what he can do in his time in Portland, for however long that may be, will be very important to that team.
2: Because you brought up um, Willie Cully-Stein, and we were kind of talking a little bit about the Warriors, do you think then Willie Cully-Stein is the center all year, or do we see a Kavan Looney get injected into a starting lineup at the five?
1: I don't think it matters. Um, they'll probably rotate him <laughs> well, at, at some point. Question. Yeah, no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, he's getting there. He said they rotate yeah. him. It's more of... What is Stein produced? I mean, if Stein is a guy that is giving them concerted effort, I think he will yeah. be out
0: there. Because he s- has
3: so much talent. Yeah. That's the thing that kills me. Is like you watch his like his highlight tapes, his best games, if you look at like what he's putting out there, mm-hmm. he's got all the talent in the world. It's so just, he went fifth overall. He doesn't turn it on all the time. And last year was a contract year and was like, Oh, he's gonna do it this year. And we again you get that sprinkling. And that's all.
1: Willie contract Stein?
3: really, college Stein. <laughs> yeah. It's still like, I'm sorry. I got that college, you know. Mm-hmm. I want him to be that guy that we hope for, but you know, Golden State with with low expectations this year might be a, a good place for him to rise up and shine because they need somebody else to step up. You're hoping, you know, between Steph staying healthy and D'Angelo Russell to get your punch of offense, but everybody's expecting Draymond to be that third guy. Maybe we get a surprise here and he plays his way into something special.
1: Yeah, I. I but with that I think it's just going to be reliant then on them being a heavy pick-and-roll offense because then you're going to need him and Draymond to set those pick-and-rolls for D'Angelo and Steph. And you do have two guys that can set him up. D'Angelo showed that he was a very good passer last yeah. year. And Steph has obviously been a good passer yeah. throughout his career. So, I mean, if they're in a situation where they can put him going towards the basket and he is fully energized and he is going towards the bucket, he could put the ball in. I mean, yeah. he can. When I thought he was drafted, I thought he could be a DeAndre type, uh, DeAndre Jordan type. But – he's really fallen off there, where you know, if Mitchell Robinson doesn't keep up that aggression and he's able to hone it in and keep that aggression up, he can become a DeAndre Jordan where Collie Stein doesn't have that aggression night in, night out. So if he is able to have that aggression, he can be someone that can be impactful for this team. I just haven't seen enough out of it, and like Dave said, I don't think the offense will go through him, like he said. I don't think he will be that third option. I think it's going to be heavily on Steph D'Lo and Draymond Green. That's why I'm high on Draymond Green this year. Mm -hmm. But I I think Collie Stein could be impactful, but I wouldn't be shocked if Kevin, Kevin Looney did get rotated into this rotation and did get mm-hmm. some starts throughout the season. Um, we don't really need to talk about Jabail that much because it's really at the mercy of LeBron. If he doesn't piss off LeBron and he is good in limited minutes, he's going to play. Yeah, and he's proven that he can be impactful. Yeah, it was just uh, when he
3: got you know he he got hurt. He was yeah. he was unhealthy.
1: And... But, and and when he's healthy, he's been impactful for the past couple of years. I mean, he, yeah. he played well with Golden State. He played well in the finals he for did. Golden State. So. If he's healthy and he's not able to get on the bad side of LeBron, he'll he'll do what Javel does. It's just Javel is limited and he is a long jumpy and, boy. But he's the best out of the long jumpy act, boys. Yeah,
3: you're, you're acting, or, I'm sorry, you're shecting a fool games out of him as well.
1: Yeah. Like that's a guarantee to it's just you just roll with it. But that's why, you know, he had so much hype from Denver. Like everyone loves what Javel McDee can do because he's extremely athletic. And that's, again, why he is the, the, the highest out of the long jumpy boys. But let's go to these uh, more skilled. Uh, guys in Brook Lopez, Stephen Adams, uh, Enos Cancer, Derek Favors, Jonas Valanciunas. Some of these guys, more bruisers like Stephen Adams and Jonas Valanciunas, Enos Cancer, Offensive God, Brooke Lopez, Splash Mountain, Derek Favors, the most underrated center um, in the league. What are your guys' thoughts on the, these guys? Who, who's the crap of players that you're looking out from 11 through 15?
2: To me, it's Brooke Lopez, and that's why, for me, you haven't heard him yet in my rankings, you'll hear him in 1 through 10 is because – He's a special one of, like, can he fit on every single team? No, he's not going to do exactly what he did last year on every team. But with the Bucks, he is a super valuable five to where I was like, you know what? With what he brings to that Bucks team, fuck yeah, he's a top ten center in the league.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, like, I, I agree with you. It's the impact on the team that makes a difference for me. It, it, he unlocked him... Self when he took that step on the nets to mm-hmm. learn to shoot threes he got moved over to the lakers and that d contract dump deal yeah and it was a win-win at the time uh, i'm sure lakers fans regret that shit now but it was kind of surprising because they didn't utilize him well mm-hmm. on the lakers so when the bucks could pick him up for a steal of a contract for someone with his ability like it unlocked Giannis. like we got to see a different level and of course this also tag on on the adding a, an amazing coach to the system as yeah. well mm-hmm. helps her. when you get you know wide open threes for days and you have four guys out like Giannis crashing the net yeah good luck good mm-hmm. luck so Brook Lopez being able to take you know six seven threes a game and reliably hit them at league average or better like no that's so valuable that's incredible for seven four to be able to do that because he can turn around on the other side and play the smart center role he's not gonna bang heavy on the low post but you know what he's gonna put himself in good positions he's got decent footwork I know he's not the quickest guy out there, but he's smarter
1: than a lot of these younger centers are. Mm-hmm. Well, for you guys, then I want to I want to throw this out there: How much for centers is it important for the system? Like uh, like Brook, if Brook yeah. wasn't in the system, it might not have make, made made Brook. No, absolutely. Um, so so, what do you think about the system making the center? We talked a little bit about, uh, with, with Embiid before. Uh, we've talked Jokic about for it. sure. Yeah, but, or, I'm sorry, Jokic before. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it, was, it was the Embiid versus Jokic uh, debate. Um, but we've seen before that you know being in the right system, like DeAndre in, in Los Angeles the system kind of made the center. How, how important do you think that is in today, that you know, finding the right system is probably the most important thing for the centers? Do you, do you think that's a fair point to make?
2: Yeah, I don't think it's the – it's not the system fitting around the center. It's the center fitting into said system. And I know some people are going to say, well, Ricky, that sounds very much like the same tomato, thing. Tomato, tomato? No, where it's like to me fitting around it is, hey, I have you. I am going to build around you, which that's not the center to me.
3: Except the for one. The center
2: to me, except for maybe, yeah, one. Two. Um, To me, the center position is, I have this system. How does this peg fit into, are you the triangle that fits in the triangle? Or am I trying to slam that square into this triangle hole? And it's like, yeah. that's where I feel like it's, do we have the guys like Jokic and Embiid where Like, yes, you can say some of it is system, but also they're really good basketball players. So, like, there's a reason why they're in the next segment that we're going to talk about. Whereas these guys, it's more of like you've kind of got to be that either swish army knife kind of a player. Yeah. Or you got to be like, hey, I do what a center does, but I also can give you this other X factor that no one else can. I can grab your boards. I can play some defense. But, hey, I can also do this. That that other five can't do. Yep. That's what's important to the center nowadays.
1: Do you agree with that, Dave? Is there anything you, you kind of disagree with? I I think a lot of it I, I do agree with a good
3: portion of that, Ricky. I think you're spot on because it's the value that the NBA and the front office has placed on the wing. Like, if this was twenty years ago, the center role I think would like this list could be completely jumbled up at this mm-hmm. point because of how how centers were used in the league and how well um, front offices built teams around it was always you build around the center because that's the center of your team that's the guy who's going to get you the reliable buckets night in night out and as the NBA has evolved and we've become so wing dominant so guard dominant like I feel like we've devalued the role of a center in offense and almost for for a portion of these guys we put them in a box we like like you said you're you're long in it, you're a long jumpy boy, like you you're a rim runner like we we we've got nicer terms than long jumpy boy, but you're a rim runner, like long j- your job is to be able to run up and down the court at mm-hmm. a high rate, get rebounds, and catch and catch all the oops. like that's it, and, and like we put them in this box like I'm sure these guys could do more if we asked more out of them, but it's just not the case at
1: this point in time Here's the thing with all that, you set me up beautifully because I asked you a question a little bit long ago. Who are these guys? How what are these guys are making you the most excited? Yep. And you guys already know my answer. Yep. It's Derek motherfucker favors. I like Derek motherfucking favors.
2: I like Derek motherfucker favors. Derek motherfucking favors. Derek motherfucking horrible motherfucking Jones.
1: Motherfucking Jones. Derek motherfucking favors. This guy has been. Uh, people are probably going to cringe at that. I don't really give a shit. <laughs> what,
2: Derek motherfucker favors? <laughs> no,
1: Derek motherfucker uh, <laughs> favors because it's like, oh, you're just wearing to <laughs> swear. And it's fair. Um, (laughs) Anyways, Derek Favors has been absolutely slept on. And you talk about being in the right system. He is finally in the right system. He was forced in Utah to be a four. He was their fourth most talented player. They needed him out on the floor. They're like, you are a four. You need to play the four. Congrats, you are a four. Congratulations. Now you need to learn how to shoot a three. That was not his game. He wasn't a guy that needed to be pulled away from the basket. But he needed to be in Utah because Gobert couldn't move away from the basket offensively. Right? So... I look at Derek Favors and now being able to play with Lonzo Ball, who can move the ball around and can mm-hmm. play beyond the perimeter. Drew Holiday, who is a top 20 player in the NBA and is a great perimeter player. Zion Williamson, who we talk about, a guy who can attack from the wing and He'll down low. Everywhere. And he could do everything for you. He can rebound. He can mm-hmm. pass. He can he could be on any part of the floor and probably score three points. A little bit iffy, but hey, he was decent um, yeah. in college. Passable. And you look at the small forward position. It's Brandon Ingram, and Brandon Ingram is a guy that can play outside on the perimeter. So what's that going to do? It's going to open up space for Derek Favors, and this guy is finally right place, right situation, and you might worry a little bit that he's not playing next to Rudy Gobert, but even without Rudy Gobert, he was able to hold his own defensively. He has a career defensive rating of 103. It's incredible. That's elite. And Dave, I want to ask you a question, and Ricky, you can even try to answer this question as well.
0: Thanks. Sure. (laughs) <laughs> You're part of this too. In the
1: past, sorry, in the past two seasons, there have been four players who have played over three thousand minutes and had an offensive rating over one hundred and twenty and a defensive rating under one hundred and five. Can you name those four? One
3: hundred and 105. elite of the elite, elite I'm elite guess, status. I'm, I'm gonna guess that one might have been the guy playing next to him in Rudy Gobert. Correct. Uh, yeah, because I knew that tandem was
1: phenomenal. 129-100 for Gobert. And again, I'm not making an argument that that Favors is better than Gobert. I had Gobert at four, and I had Favors at eight. Wow. If, if you're if you're telling me which guy would I rather have, I'd rather have Gobert, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, that's defense play. yes, shit. Gobert. Uh, knowing you, it's Jokic? No. Wow. Jokic is not on there. Jokic wow. doesn't have the defensive rating, I don't think.
3: Uh, are the other two centers? Mm-hmm. Oh, shit.
1: No, they're on the list. So I'm going to go. They, oh, the, no, sorry. Uh, one, was, they, one, one should be a center. One's not a center right now. He's not in our center ranking. No. Oh, that's
2: good. When guess. You said good when guess. You said not a center. I was like, oh, Al. Good Al guess. It's a very good guess. Um, Anthony Davis.
1: Anthony Davis. Yeah. One more. Well, two more. Who's can, a center? You didn't guess the other two, just two more. I feel well, like you you said his other teammate. So you did guess Derek Favors. Derek yeah. Favors uh, is, I is knew one it was of Derek Favors. There's one yeah. more, it's Clint Capella. So ah, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, Capella yeah. and Derek Favors are all on this list. And let's see, Clint Capella, number seven, Rudy Gobert, number four. Anthony Davis would most likely probably be three, two, or one. He's definitely top yeah, three. Yeah. Probably in the second spot for me, uh, above Joel Embiid. Um, I mean,
2: last year he, he was a unanimous number one. He'd be for number all of one. I it was, was, a, say, ju- it was yeah. a joke,
1: Ricky. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Anthony Davis would be one on this list. Uh, uh, Capella seven, Bears four, but Derek Favors is at fourteen. For what reason?
3: Honestly, I'm concerned about his fit. You say it's perfect, it's and perfect. You, you're dreaming this into reality. I'm seeing a team where he's going to overlap with Zion Williamson because Zion is a roamer on defense, and I wonder how well that's going to complement him, and I wonder if they're going to flip to a, uh, a different lineup at various mm-hmm. points of the game because they have so much depth where they can play with that as an option. And that's that's my concern. Is just yeah. Zion being Zion, is I don't know what to expect out of him, but what I saw work for him in college is not having someone like Derek Favors out there with him. And I don't know if but he Derek did. Favors... He had big centers out there. Speed matches this team's play style. Gotcha. Because that is a run and gun with Zion and having Lonzo Ball out there. That is very quick pace offense.
2: One more thing that throws a wrench into this. He blew us away at Summer League. He's not, you know. Jackson Hayes. No, he's too rough. I'm not saying he's going to start, but if this season, like, we're not expecting the Pelicans to make the playoffs, they drafted Jackson Hayes for a reason, to become their center. Yeah. I want to see what leaps and bounds he takes in his first year and how that may affect their he didn't favorite murder man in summer league. we
1: talked about he it's summer league guys let's first off say it's summer league <laughs> Murdered it's, man. and second off a there's two there's there's one guy that again this is kind of like the Bruno Fernando thing in a little bit of a different fashion yeah. Jackson Hayes we we always talked about this guy can't even rebound right yep. so that's one thing too he was he was a very poor rebounder in college he needs to grow on that aspect and he yep. also needs to learn the nba system right so Joe, and he's got to worry
3: about somebody as, in front of him. Yeah, yeah,
1: Okafor's already played with Alvin Gentry, so most likely he's going to get more minutes. 20 and 10 rolling out of bed. And Derek Favors <laughs> has been in the league since 19, he was 19, and now he's going to be 28. So this is a guy that's been in multiple system. He knows how to play in the NBA favors and okafor are gonna get the minutes yep. out there the one thing that hayes does bring over okafor and favors is speed and that is something that he he will bring but he doesn't yep. have an nba body yet and i don't think he has the knowledge of a true nba system yet because yes you do have zion who is a phenomenal rebounder but they don't have the ability to have size out there i think because he'd get pushed around by a lot of these centers mm-hmm. that are on this list yeah, so I, I don't think pretty it's pretty
3: thin when you small forward is literally skin and bones yeah, yeah he's tall but he's just not strong, you know.
1: And I'm glad you brought up the small forward because Jackson Hayes is going to be there at some point. And favors I think is only on a two year deal, so yeah. it's, at some point it will be Jackson Hayes' time to shine. But there's a reason favors is in here, and that that's yeah. the reason is because he knows how to play. How, he knows how to play well, um, and he knows how to play center in the NBA. But you brought up the small forward, Brandon Ingram. What was what's an underrated skill about Brandon Ingram? I mean, underrated skill about him? Yeah. Underrated that pro- people probably don't think about right away, but it's one of his best skills. Uh, his ball handling ability. His ball handling ability. Yeah, right. The man. Can, the man can run offense. He's fantastic in the pick and roll. Yeah, he is. And you know who is a fantastic pick and roll partner for him? Hmm. Last year, Derek Favors. Oh shit. Jingles. I walked into that. So <laughs> you have six nine forwards that can ball handle, that can dish, yep. that can that can abuse people in the pick and roll. I think Favors is going to be fine on that, and, and even then, Zion is very comfortable as a ball handler. And Zion with a full head of steam, you get stopped. Then yes, you don't have that exact speed going head to head with Zion, but you do have a trailer. Yeah. And Zion, you know, trailing with a trailing Favors, Could it's going to be hard to stop. In, yeah, so who, who's going to stand in the way of that? Need a charge? So, I understand. Maybe maybe in the in the, in the fast break, it might be a little bit rough that you'll, you'll be playing four on whatever. Yeah, um, if you are running, because Favors will be trailing, but also you have Zion Williamson and. And of lots ball, of a, if that can't get it Brent done, Ingram, nothing can. Exactly. So yeah. I'm not too worried about their okay. fast break offense in the half court. I think they're going to be an absolute beauty because I think when they do want to run favors, they will run certain. They'll run it with uh, with uh, Ingram and, and and Zion setting up plays for favors, yeah, or setting up plays for those guys. And then if they're not using Favors, they will make sure that he is around the rim to grab offensive boards, and then they'll be using his body as well to set up screens. Yeah. So I, I really love Favors. I think he is absolutely what Ricky was saying earlier, going Probably 11 minutes back now, he is triangle in a triangle hole and not a circle in a triangle hole. Maybe he I'm is sleeping absolutely fit in the spot. I'll admit. And I, he, I got him at 16. I'm probably sleeping on him a little bit. Here's a, he's just been under the shell of Gobert so long. Yeah. And I understand. And Dave, 2018, he was 16 in our Power Forward rankings. I had him at 14. In 2017, he was 18 in our Power Forward rankings. I had him at 13. Um, so I've been consistent with that. And then 2016, he was number six. And I had him at six. It was his best year by far. And Ricky had him at eight. So who had him higher, Dave Oster? So you are sleeping on him. You you were on the Derek Favors tr- tr- fan uh, wagon back in 2016, and you fell off. So. I think people are sleeping on Derek Favors. I really think they should look into him. Uh, he's great. Um, <laughs> I think that's why he was a top five pick uh, coming out of college. But uh, any other guys that you want to talk about? Cantor in a new position. Jonas Valanciunas was in a new position last year after uh, Gasol. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the two guys we haven't talked about. If you want to talk Cantor about him. Cantor is another. If not, we can move on. We, we move on. Yeah, Cantor
2: is another interesting one just because the whole Celtic team in general. And also it's like. He in New York. He loved his time in New York and kind of had a little bit of like a revitalization. Had a really big one in Portland. Being yeah. traded over there, Oh, Nurkic goes down. He's kind of like the hey, like I have. I don't want to say he didn't have a purpose with the Knicks, but like I have a purpose. Like
3: he, I I he had a, more fun probably at the Portland. media
5: stand yeah.
3: in New York than he did playing the game. Exactly, but at the same time, yeah, Portland. Like that but man I, was driven. But was I don't incredible. know
2: what to expect from the Celtics when it comes to Cantor mainly because of the whole question I have about the Celtics like in general I know they're gonna make the playoffs I just don't know where they're going to are they gonna be like a four are they gonna be a five are they gonna be competing I don't know
1: Dave take your turn on shitting on the Celtics and I'll back them up (laughs)
2: Why would you assume that
0: I'm going to shit on the Celtics?
2: Every time every time throughout
1: these whole rankings, I've been high on the Celtics, and you're like, nope, fuck that. <laughs> nope, so fuck that. you say no, fuck that, and
4: well, I will I will
1: come in and back a Cancer. Well look, the Celtics couldn't rebound. That's been the
3: problem for like a decade, right?
2: I actually right. have cancer the lowest. That man's got cancer you the lowest. You guys have him at thirteen. I have him at fourteen. 14. <laughs> See? Appropriately right. <ranked. laughs> sure. I didn't I didn't say
1: you're gonna you're gonna shit on cancer. I said you're gonna shit on the, the Celtics. Celtics. So continue to shit on the Celtics. <laughs>
3: I think he's actually a welcome fit for the Celtics team Because he adds a little bit of toughness He adds a little bit of fight to this team Because they had Aaron Baines Who, like, top three most hateable player in the NBA Oh yeah, I'll that's grit That man Oh, <laughs> that man um, But Enos Cantor Here's the thing,
1: they had Kelly Olenek Who was breaking bones out there <laughs> before And he, it's about Olynyk is more likable than Aaron yeah. Baines
3: Yeah, I'm telling, you, I'm telling you. Uh But no, Cantor like adds something to this team with that playoff run, that's the lasting image of my brain, and that's what I loved about him was he was playing hurt, he was gritty, he was passionate, he's screaming at guys on the court, and he's getting his, and that's what made the biggest deal was like he, when he's going all in for rebounds and shit like that, just that's the kind of guy you want on a team. And like I don't often say that about Enos Cantor because like, this was the offensive-only guy who yeah. basically... Didn't even give a fuck about playing defense in OKC. He was like yeah, well, that's Adams that way, is the here. defense We're Kansas the, the bros. yeah. 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 You, you just tape us back to back. We're good. We're solid. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think on the on the Celtics, it's it feels like a good fit for him, and it feels like a good fit for the Celtics team because they're going so wing heavy, but nobody in that wing group is an excellent rebounder. Yep, I think that he's actually a solid fit for them. Well, here's
1: the thing that I love. What was Cantor's best moments? Hmm. When he got traded from Utah to OKC, that was 2014, 2015. I guess he was playing, and it was his his best moments was was that year. He put up 18 points coming back over. Yeah. Um. And and even throughout his whole Oklahoma City time, uh, he averaged uh 14 points a game. That's the most he's averaged in his career. Yeah. And I think we remember the Portland stuff so fondly because it was in our head. But when they made that trade, that cancer trade was an absolute robbery yeah. of Utah. And the thing that I love. About that is now he's going back to a place with a very skilled guard and a very a very skilled set of wings, just like KD. Just like Russell Westbrook. And not to that level. They don't have a KD out there. They don't have a Russ out there. But they have an extremely great guard in Kemba Walker. And they have Gordon Hayward, who can be a great passer. They have Jason Tatum, who can be a great, great passer. Jalen Brown. Brown's a good good all-around player. Mm-hmm. I think for cancer, it's the best situation for him yeah. in, in, in a long while. And we talked how well Portland was for him. I think he's going to be a great fit here. And he's not going to be a great fit in the sense of you know how... Al Horford was because Al Horford let them, you know, provide some stretch. They're yep. gonna to need to rely on that in their four wing rotation. Um, but they will have the ability to have a bruiser down there, a great rebounder, and a guy that's gonna bring passion. And Ricky, you brought this up earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole embiid versus Jokic thing. We don't see yeah. Jokic really acting out much. You know the one guy who could get Jokic to react was? Yeah. Enos Kanter could try to rip his arm out <laughs> in, the, in the postseason. People don't talk about that, and I try to bury it, but I'm yep. going to bring it up here. Because oh, he cancer was... is God, a guy. I tried to bury it. Cancer is a guy that can get under guys's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, skin. skin.
2: and <laughs> you Kind of stick in their craw a little bit. Without
1: a doubt. I mean, he got under the whole government of Turkey's skin. Like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this guy is. He ins- taunts
0: them. He oh. is a talker,
1: and yeah. it's. Awesome! He yep. wants to become a professional wrestler, wrestler. I am here for it. See, this it's is why awesome. I love Joel
3: Embiid too. He's am just he's, saying. He's, it's
1: that extra <laughs> X factor, man. Cantor's different from Kyrie where Kyrie was a talker, but no one wanted to listen to Kyrie talk. <laughs> I want to listen to Enos Cancer talk because this guy is phenomenal. And I think yep. that he's going to bring a little bit more of a relaxed vibe to the Celtics team because they always seem with the Celtics, Kyrie, you need to win because I'm uh, LeBron, uh, mini LeBron, but I have no, none of the great talent that LeBron does. Um, that's a great Kyrie. Uh, <laughs> that, was, sp- that was spot on impression. That was incredible. Um, yep. And uh, Al Horford, Mr. Professional, right? Um, where Enos Kanter might loosen up these young guys a little bit, which, yeah. uh, which I'd be really excited to see.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing where with me, when I looked at my rankings, it was, Steven Adams, a guy that I fit into the because it's everyone under Gasol. It's Steven Adams is a guy that kind of works like Brooke Lopez, where, yeah, he doesn't shoot threes, but he does something for the Thunder that I don't think he would do on with any other team. Enos Cantor questions about the just Celtics in general. And sometimes you need that guy that like we have an enforcer in the NHL, the NBA. Sometimes you just need I don't want to call him a goon. But it's like, sometimes you need that guy where it's like, just cause problems. Get under people's skin. Get people out of the game. Yep. But that can't be your guy who's like, your Steph Curry, you're Kevin Durant. You can't Durant. depend on him for 20 yeah. a night, you Exa- know? Well, you don't, because if he gets in trouble, like exactly. foul trouble, yeah. you don't need, want that happening. Join <clears throat> green. Bingo.
1: Yep. I mean, that's the thing. That works out And well. you talk so much about, what do you mean? No, I mean, like, we, you said in a sarcastic tone.
3: So no, you're like that works out well, but they also no. won three championships. So it's like I don't know if you're being sarcastic. And losing them a championship is what I'm saying because this oh. whole argument about Draymond Green had he not been tossed out of the game, yeah, they would have won because he
1: just ate right into the. Uh, fucking, okay, let's throw that one championship <laughs> out. They still have three, and it's a lot. Two to add four, to, Could add four to, yeah. To, they could have had four. They should have. But know. they also could They also could have had he bit, none. Should have hey, had bit four on the bait. They could have had none if Derek if if oh, Favors If Draymond Green wasn't if Draymond Green wasn't there, they might not have won any of them. So <laughs> yeah, and also they wouldn't have Kitty. That's true. That's true. Anyways, um, <laughs> I, I I do think that that enforcer is needed, and and Adams can bring that. Cancer can bring that. Um, Adams gonna get rebounds this year. Like, is it? Is there a know. foregone
3: conclusion to say this man's going to double his rebound total from
1: last year? You know? I'd hope so, but also, like, I don't think they're going to get shots up for the, him to rebound. <laughs> I think he's—like, there's going to be no offensive boards because, one, Russ ain't missing because there's no Russ in yeah, the team. Yeah, w- when you got somebody shooting above 30% from three on— And how like,
2: Diallo's just going to jam it? Well, that's They're just athletic?
1: I think it's either going to be, you know, you have efficient shooters in Chris Paul and mm-hmm. Shea Gilders. So there's not going to be a lot of offensive boards yeah. going around. Or they're just horrible players, and they're just going to get their shit stuffed every <laughs> single time. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if he's going to get offensive boards, but defensively, yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I'm excited for him. Like, Gallinari's not going to take fucking boards away from him, so yeah. it, I'm excited for him, but I don't think he's, we're going to see great Steven Adams again. And here's the thing is, if, if he does play well, he might be a trade bait. And, and if I'm looking at this, and obviously it's shown by rankings, if... I have to look at Stephen Adams' contract or Hassan Whiteside's contract. I understand Whiteside's coming up a, a more, and he's yeah, done it this, this year. Um, where Adams is not, I might rather have that Adams deal because Adams is a better player. So yep. if, if he can show that he can, you know, get back up, up to double digit boards, I think he probably was even over that. Um, if he can get up to like you know thirteen boards and probably be near a league 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 leading, um, I wouldn't be shocked by that. But Adams yeah, is a little bit defensively. Yeah.
3: Know? Not, not terrible, but... what but was he like before... No, literally, this, this year he had his most rebounds at 9.5. Really? Yeah. What was he? Surprising. What was he pre-MVP, Russ? So 2016, uh, 2017.
1: What 20, was he, 2015, 2016?
3: 16 17 was... No, no, 26. Seven boards what was in He's just gotten better every year. Really? Yeah. What was it per- it's a myth, apparently. What's the... What's, Even I bought into it a little bit in my head. What's the... Uh, what's what's but, per 36... What's the what's the blockout ratio
1: for rebounds? Ooh, there has to be something. Some truth. We need, to like, a
3: box-out ratio. <laughs>
1: All right, so 2015-2016, pre-MVP Russ, 6.7. Um, but he was playing 25 minutes a game. Yeah, he was heavily so... split minutes. yeah, he's at 9.5. And yeah. Per 36 for this year, was 10.3. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Myth. Bo-
3: if you take away the box-outs per game, like, this man's probably putting a boundary drum and rebounds.
2: Myth
1: bust. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. um Yeah. Other than that, I think that does it for eleven through twenty. Right. That fun.
2: The only other thing, and this is because we didn't bring it up during one through ten because we recorded these out of order. You know, it's the uh, (laughs) the only sad part about these rankings. What's that? Boogie in twenty sixteen ranked number one. Yeah, I don't care. Year two, he was ranked number two. Because you guys are idiots. Then he was number four. Number one that year, just to toss out there. Then he (laughs) was four. And now, because of injuries, not even on the, like... Th- yeah, because that's the only reason center, he's out this year. Because if now he was healthy, he'd off. totally be playing. I mean...
1: Yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah. he
2: would. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. he would.
1: I don't think... I don't think he <laughs> not would. Not he legitimately would. He, he would not be playing 82. He'd definitely be suspended. He'd be they're funded, not. They're not but putting. They're not, putting, they're, not putting, long. they're not putting somebody out there that is like, "Hey, I'm gonna put a bullet in your head, bitch." I think that's what is. I think that's. He's a for passionate. What he said. So, Might even bet a little bit more. Uh, is Finch
2: passionate? That. Here's a fun snippet for uh, you. Uh, yeah, he, he would miss games. Than domestic <laughs> no. violence and yeah. threats. No, 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 no. He would not miss games. I'm not that.
3: arguing or not whatever. I'm not trying to sympathize for him. I'm just saying the fact that the NBA isn't exactly the most you know harsh on coming down
1: on guys.
2: Yeah, that That's, not NFL. NFL. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's not the NFL. No one
3: is.
1: So, like, the only one that kind of is is an MLB. But the MLB is just, like, if you're even accused, you're done for yeah. at least 25. Yeah. Which is fair. Fuck it. I'd so. rather I'd rather suspend him than have it up in the air.
2: That year Dave talked about where it's like, you guys put Cat at one. Oh, no. The reason why he was where he was, I had DeMarcus at three that year. Guess who I had at two? Dirk? No. Oh, he, he was dude. higher on someone I was than higher you. on someone than you, surprisingly. Oh, Jokic. Yeah. I had Jokic at two, and you and Dave had <laughs> Sean's three. Just... <laughs> why did you do that? 2017. He's Ricky, You had Captain Jokic. Half I had the time you Jokic don't understand cousins. why, but he's Hell, from the future. I was on him before you were. <laughs>
1: Congratulate. Ricky, I'll give, the, I'll give you the standing
2: class. Ricky goes Nostradamus the on next, some shit. And then the next year, Jokic was at six. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense.
1: Has a better year? Tank him. <laughs> Fuck them, oh,
2: fuck them, and, and,
1: and let's go. Let's go. Well, that. and,
2: and bead was there that oh,
1: year. Let, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. And AD, was, AD back. was in there, so of course, yeah. Um, but here, let's let's go. To, <laughs> is it that rankings? No. Let's go to. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's power <laughs> forward. Terrible. Let's go to the power forward rankings for 2018 because I didn't bring this up and I want oh. to bring it up. Who was your seventh power forward in front of Lamarcus <laughs> Aldrich and
2: Dirk, Blake baby. Griffin? Dirty Dirk. Dirk Delicious definitely makes the boys I'm go sorry. loco
1: Yeah, so if you're <laughs> not understanding this, Dirk Nowitzki was above Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin, and fucking Tobias Harris. And, and Marvin Bagley, and Bagley was above Tobias 12. Harris, Paul Millsap, and fucking my boy Derek Favors. Uh, Jesus Christ.
2: Oh, K-Love These, at four. This is a we time a machine. Four.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because we thought Fat K Love was going to feast again. Yeah, be. we did.
3: Well, they no, he's he getting
1: Broken. Yeah, that was, was post Lebron. They gave him the extensions. Were like, he's back. He's putting up mm-hmm. yep. twenty and twenty. Easy. Um, I think I said that on the podcast. Yep. I was he was going to put up twenty and twenty. K. F. K. Well, not Skinny K. Love was four two in our in our twenty seventeen ones. So we yeah. kind of just kept that the same. Uh, he beat out Mello. <laughs> 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 Oh, shit. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, Shout out Chris Bosh, who was seven on our 2016 power forwards. All Aww. right. This is coming off the rails. Uh, I just want to see if there's anything stupid, too. Let's just go back to 2016. Um, For centers? Yeah, nothing crazy. Marcus was 10. He's still 10 now. So shout out to that. Uh, ooh, Nerlens Noel was 17 right below Jokic <laughs> nice. um, in 2016. 2017, anything stand out here? No, nothing. Yeah, centers is kinda of boring. It's just kind of stayed the same outside of uh outside of the that finding that Ricky was higher in Nicole Jokic than I was. So shout out to Ricky, we'll have to go re rewatch that. Yeah. So uh anyways, let us know your thoughts on eleven through twenty. Uh these are clearly obviously fun. We could do a whole podcast on just what we used to do. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Joe Kim Noah was thirty uh in, in twenty seventeen and uh He deserved that. But here's the thing I think he might be
3: Oh, I would. Uh, put he might him be a, like 25 this year. I would absolutely put him 25 this year. And he's not on a team yet.
1: Someone yep. get on that shit. Jokic was. Or, he, uh, he stomped the end of last year for the Memphis Grizzlies. Jokic Noah was low key dirty. He got a wet boy. He did get a wet boy. He was he was nasty last year. Um. Anyways, let us know your thoughts. 11 through 20. Um. Ricky seems to be upset that we haven't ended this yet. No, no. Uh, But anyways, <laughs> not now, even at all. Let's move in. We do it for 50 minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alright, but let's move into the final uh, rankings, or at least for the starting positions. We got 1 through 10. Super excited, and we're going to welcome in John in just a little bit. Um, He's on the line right now. He's going to listen to our rankings, and then he's going to grade them to to, to see how well we did. Uh, So, Ricky, why don't you start us off 1 through 10, uh, starting at 10.
2: Well, starting at number 10, I've got it, it's going to say Brooke Lopez, but really it's the Bash Bros because Rolo's in town too. So the Brolo Brothers, um, they're at number ten. Then DeAndre Drummond of the Pistons at nine. Andre DeAndre Aiton. Um, hey, Andre, I put I keep putting DeAndre, but DeAndre Andre Jordan, Drummond, DeAndre
1: yeah, DeAndre
2: Drummond or Andre <laughs> Drummond at nine. DeAndre Aiton at eight. Then we got Clint Capella at seven. Miles Turner at six. Lucy Mang at number five. Rudy Gobert at four. Cat at three. The Yoker at two. And then Joel Embiid. You're welcome, Jake, at number one.
3: All right, Dave, one through ten. Sure. And at number ten, I've got Steven Adams. At nine, Brooke Lopez. Eight, Marc Gasol. Seven, Miles Turner. Six, Clint Capella. Five, Straight Up. Four, Rudy Gobert. Three Carlante Towns,
1: two Jokic, one Joel Embiid, and for those uninitiated, nice, straight up means straight Nikola up. Vucevic. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make sure because we do have some new viewers. That was like, Is a that too,
2: like two, took that's like took me like a, a second. Three year old reference took yeah. me a second. Even I was like straight up. And I was like, oh, nice. <laughs> All
1: right, my one through ten. At ten, I have DeAndre Ayton. At uh, or sorry, at but, yeah, at ten, I have DeAndre Ayton. At nine, I have Andre Drummond. At eight, I have Derek Favors. At seven, I have Clint Capella. At six, I have Miles Turner. At five, I have Nikola Vucevic. At four, I have Rudy Gobert. At three, I have Carl Anthony Towns. At two, I have Joel Embiid. And at number one, the true number one center, and I get it. We're trying to appease Jake. Uh, but yeah, Nikola Jokic not? is the no. best center in the NBA, and I have every stat to prove it. Uh, but I'm not going to get into my Sean rant just yet. Um, our cumulative <laughs> rankings for these uh, centers, it's going to be number 10, Mark Gasson At nine, DeAndre Ayton. At eight, Andre Drummond. At seven, Clint Capella. At six, Miles Turner. At five, Nikola Vucevic. At four, Rudy Gobert. At three, Carl Anthony Towns. At two, unfortunately, is Nicole Jokic. And at number one is Joel Embiid. And now we're going to welcome in Patreon, John. John, how do we do?
4: What's up, fellas? Hey, John. How you guys doing? I love
1: hearing this voice. You guys, you guys, did,
4: you guys did pretty good. Pretty good. I got, I got one B-plus and two Bs. Okay. okay.
1: Who's the B-plus? Right. Dave. Oh, oh come on! That's a shock! Come on! Is it
2: because of Andre oh, Drummond? Absolutely.
4: Why did he, yeah? Why did he yeah. get the B plus? He had the highest ranking for Steven Adams.
2: Mm. Yes. Yeah, I got him at thirteen. There's I have for <laughs>
4: H two P University of Pittsburgh product.
1: There we <laughs> go. There we go. <laughs> so, so is it just because he went to Pittsburgh? Is that Dave got that plus on the end? What, what, what am I missing Absolutely. on Stephen Adams here?
2: If I knew that, Absolutely. I would have put Stephen Adams. That's
1: the only reason why. <laughs> so, if Dewan Blair was on here, what? Dewan Blair be top five? That's a bit of a stretch. I
4: he, love should be a, he should be a top twenty, though. That guy is oh my, my guy.
1: If we're talking University of Pittsburgh players, that is my favorite player of the past, you know, decade or whatever. He is the best. Jeez. Um but it, I mean Steven Adams, I mean I don't think of him right away as as a Pittsburgh guy. Isn't he from New Zealand? Right? So I, yeah. I, I immediately think of him as a uh, as a as a Kiwi over there. I think I think that's what they call him yeah. over there. Um, but anyways, uh let, let's settle the the big debate here. All right, Joel Embiid, Nicole Jokic. We got two votes from Ricky and Dave for Joel Embiid being the best center in the NBA. We have one for Nicole Jokic. Are you on Ricky and Dave's side or are you on my side, Dave? Or uh, John.
4: Well, let me answer you know I like to respond to questions with a question because mm-hmm. I don't like the premises
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
4: Everybody knows what's the best ability in sports availability there you go God there you go damn it. that's the only way that uh can be, be better in beat and be more talented i don't you know uh who's that let's see Sean, do you agree who's more talented do you think uh what are, are we talking
1: or or what are we talking talent wise are we just talking talent-wise, athleticism? like? If we're talking going, going <laughs> to the second round playoffs, who do you want your center to be? Jokic or Embiid? Nicole Jokic, because he's going to be available and he's better. Um, and I have a whole rant, uh, so I don't want to get too much into it. Um, but if we're talking strict athleticism, clearly one's an athletic, you know, a, a guy that was gifted with athleticism no, and Joel Big Embiid. Big Macs
3: and drinking Coke.
1: Yeah, and the, other, and the other dude is you know, notably coming in as a, as a polar bear in, in Nikola Jokic. But here's one thing. Can Nikola Jokic get better at, at conditioning? Yes. But is it hampering him so much that people are coming out of this offseason saying he's too fat? No. Are people saying that about Joel Embiid, that Joel Embiid needs to slim down? Yes. So one guy's made progress in it from coming in as a legit polar bear um, in Nikola Jokic to Joel Embiid, who is now kind of becoming the chubby process here. He's down a little bit after these uh, these three years here in the NBA. So, I, I, I look at it process. and th- I look at it here. so
3: much mass because he needed to. I mean, you go back and you look at the time he spent in college and look at the he body did. shape he has there versus now. Like, they're not even the same person. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. no. It's it's, a, he is a freak of nature. Muscle, just the amount of muscle and size he put on is
1: incredible. If we're talking strict athleticism, Joel Embiid is more athletic. If we're talking basketball gifted, I would probably say
4: Jokic. Last uh, last year, Joel Embiid averaged twenty seven points plus. He did. Um, last year, Jokic <laughs> averaged twenty plus. He did. Joel is a two way player. I don't think Jokic's offensive game is is that much better than Embiid to make up for his inferior defensive capabilities than Embiid. Got it. Um, here's one thing: is is
1: and, and this will go into a rant, so, John, I, I know you're probably going to want to butt in it sometime, um, and that's totally fair. But I'm an I, I, uh, 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 absolute maniac when if I get seen... a Nikola Jokic train on myself. Um, I have so many pages of notes <laughs> exactly. here. If
3: you've seen It's Always Sunny in <laughs> Philadelphia,
1: we're about to have a Pepe Silvio rant here
3: coming out of Sean right now. <laughs> <Camel>. <laughs>
1: here's Here's the first thing, John. I know you are a guy that appreciates you know longtime basketball. You are a guy that, that loves the legends. And, and I want to ask you, do you know how many players have put up or how many times uh, a stat line of 20 Ten and seven has been put up in a season.
4: Uh, How many players? Twenty-seven. Seven. I would say never. I would say I'll say Jokic last year won.
1: Uh, No, very very good guess. But it's been nine times. Uh, Russell Westbrook's done it three times. Oscar's done it three times. And Chamberlain's done it twice. Jokic is the other player. So if we're
4: looking at, he's he's the only. He's the only center.
1: He's the well Chamberlain.
3: Well, we'll okay. I mean, was cool. Will. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. So we're, so we're yeah. talking
1: about. Uh, a, a guy that is probably the most athletic player to ever play basketball in Will Chamberlain, the seven foot freak that was, you know, apparently the fastest guy on the court. We have Oscar Robinson, who is probably the, you know, the quintessential point guard before magic came around. And then we're talking about Russell Westbrook, the first guy since Oscar to put up a triple double. And then Nicole Jokic. So, I mean, this guy, I understand that you're saying, you know, he's not a guy that is putting up 20 or 27 points a night, but he's also not taking as many shots as Joel is that whole, The offense works on them moving the ball around and Jokic being such a crucial part of moving that ball around. And he's not the most uh, aggressive offensive player. You, Joel Embiid is super aggressive, and I think that's why he gets such a, this, this this love when it comes to his defensive abilities and when it comes to his offensive abilities because, yes, he is putting up 27 points a night, but he's doing it because he's aggressive. He's constantly trying to score, where Jokic is trying to just move the ball around. Jokic averaged seven assists last year with three point with only three turnovers. I mean, he was a guy that was moving the ball around consistently and making sure that offense worked. And that offense clearly worked better than what Philadelphia was doing because they won more in a tougher conference, all right? And I know that it's not a traditional stat line. It's not a traditional three-way split in, you know, rebounds, points, and assists. But if you look at every advanced metric here, Nikola Jokic not only pans up to Joel Embiid, he beats him. Offensive rating for Jokic, 119, compared to Embiid's 114. When you look at defensive rating, it's 105 for Jokic to 104 for Embiid. That is pretty much As close as you can possibly get. Embiid is one point better than than Jokic when it comes to defensive rating. When you look at VORP, a whole four points higher for uh, Jokic than Joel Embiid. When you look at box plus minus score, the whole idea of what is this guy doing when he's off the floor, he was 9.5 compared to Jokic's 4.1. When you look at Jokic's defensive uh, box score plus minus, 3.8 compared to Embiid's 2.1. Defensive win shares, Jokic 4.3. Uh, Embiid 3.8. And when you look at all of that taken together, you might say, oh, Embiid's scoring more. Well, Jokic is pretty much the same amount of efficient as Embiid was. You look at true shooting, 58.9% for Jokic compared to 59.3% for Embiid. The biggest thing that I will say for the 76ers, they were much worse without Embiid than the, the, the Nuggets were without Jokic. However, you can make the argument that Denver has probably the best bench in the NBA. So I would say that it's not really much on Jokic, it's more on at least the lack of depth for the Seventy Sixers, and finally, for all of that, what means the most in the NBA, John? What, what would you look at the most to define who's the best player ever? What, what's what's Champions. the one place? Championships. Championships. None of Absolutely. these. Yeah, none of these guys have it. So let's. You want to say playoffs then? Yes. All right. Let's look at the playoffs. Uh, if we look <laughs> at what the opponents did when Jokic was off the floor last year. When when he was off the floor, what they did offensively, they had an offensive rating of 126. That is near top of the league. When he was on the floor, 108. That is staunching defense, and that is a staunch difference there. He made so much of a difference in the playoffs where it mattered on defense for the Denver Nuggets team. He was a dominant player, 127 offensive rating for himself, 109 defensive rating uh, in the playoffs. He led the league in per in the playoffs, win shares per 48, offensive box score plus minus and uh, box plus minus uh, in general throughout the entire NBA playoffs. Embiid was not only injured for the large part of that first series, but he had an offensive rating of 106 compared to Jokic's 127, a defensive rating of 100, which was better than Nikola Jokic's. I will give him that. But again, everyone came away from the... Playoffs looking at Joel Embiid saying that he needs to slim down and that the last memory of him was him crying off the floor. I'm just saying that Nicole Jokic, to me, is the best player because yes, he isn't as aggressive as Embiid and he might not be as built as Embiid, but he has just amount of basketball skill as Embiid did and he worked his ass off to become a better defender and the stats prove it.
4: Wow. Hey. Well, I mean, you know, Ricky, hey, what are we doing here? So i giving a dissertation.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I'm taking notes. I'm in a lecture right yeah. now.
4: Um, <laughs> no, no shut off to Sean. I'll, I'll do prep work.
1: Thank you. That's all I have for this podcast. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off now. Thank you very much.
4: <laughs> I,
2: I just wanna throw out this question. Yeah, go ahead. And this is me looking back at just my rankings mm-hmm. and trying to decide who's because there's a fine line between these two guys. And for me, most of the times when it's deciding one and two it's usually the guy when you ask the question of, okay, if you take him off their team, which team will be decimated, which team is gonna be fine? Yeah. And when I just we're looking back through mine. Steph and Dame. You take Dame off the Trailblazers, are they worse? Yes, but they're not decimated. You take Steph off the Warriors, this year's Warriors, they're decimated. I know that mm-hmm. you can say last year with Katie, but coming into the season, even There's with no clay Clay, to, even yeah. with clay, right? Mm-hmm. They're decimated. It's the KD thing that made it um, to where that's not an argument. My shooting guards is the only part this doesn't happen because you take James Harden off the Rockets, they're decimated. You take Bradley Beal off the Wizards, they're decimated. And they like, already
3: suck. There's no way around that. Like <laughs> they're even worse than last. Exactly. It might be Charlotte Horn, um, it's
1: bad
2: with the <laughs> small Popcats. with the small forwards. Same thing. You take LeBron off the Lakers. The Lakers are not a good team. You take Paul George off the Clippers. Kawhi could probably bring the Clippers to a championship just by himself.
1: And I understand your point. You're, you're and then Giannis getting to the point that Kawhi, if you take Embiid off, they're a worse team than the Nuggets are. No, no, I'm just asking
2: the question
1: oh, of— Well, here's, here's my response. Because
2: with—I want to—my I want I first thought is to believe that, mm-hmm. that if you take Joel off this year's Sixers team, because they don't have Jimmy um, like mm-hmm. they did last year, that they would be worse off around this big depth team yeah. of Denver— But is that necessarily true? I wanted to throw that out to
1: you three. My thing is, if if we're looking at right now in the 76ers, there's the argument that they have the best starting lineup in the NBA right now. Mm -hmm. So you take them off. They're a much worse team, right? But... I I still think that they're a playoff team. Mm -hmm. If you take Jokic off the Nuggets, I do not think they're a playoff team because right now they do have Ben Simmons, who most people would put in the top 25 of players in the NBA. The Nuggets do not have that. And the Nuggets maybe have a great player in Jamal Murray, where the 76ers have Ben Simmons... Josh Richardson, who probably will put, fit more in the good category. Yeah. But Al Horford and Tobias Harris probably fit in the great category. So he, they, he's playing with three great players and one good player compared to maybe a great player in Jamal Murray and then some good players in uh, Gary Harris and, and, and Paul Millsap. But there's just a, a lot of depth on that Nugget team. But there's mm-hmm. no star power outside of Jokic, where there is on the 76ers. So I would say, outside of the coaching difference, because I would easily put Mike Malone over Brett Brown, mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic, would, going off the Nuggets, would decimate that team more than Embiid off the of Sixers. They went to the second round of the playoffs without Embiid.
2: True, and I mean, even in the—wasn't it in the Toronto series— was when Joel Embiid was having the uh, Michael Jordan flu like like uh It was symptoms. throughout the
1: whole. It was it was started the end okay. of the regular season. So I I I just look at this and I, I don't know what I'm missing. I mean I, I understand he's bigger, he's he's faster, John, but he's bigger, faster, stronger. He's a better scorer. That's it. But Jokic is, yeah, yeah, miles. That miles, <laughs> he's, Jokic is a miles better passer. Yes. He's, he's a smarter basketball player. Right. He's but more Jokic, healthy and available. Jokic he, he is puts someone who in, in a position. system
3: to succeed, and Joel Embiid can be picked up and dropped into any team in the NBA and mm-hmm. succeed.
0: That's that, my that's thought. Fair.
3: He's so versatile as a big man. He can palm the ball. He can pass. He's not mm-hmm. gifted passing, but he is able to do everything, you, and he can be a plug-and-play on 30 teams in the NBA. And
1: be able to take that team somewhere. I, I understand that, and I, that is an, argu- an argument that I, I could entertain, because Joel Embiid can be put on any team and make an impact, right? And Jokic, if he wasn't in this Denver team, he might not have been making the same impact because someone might not have realized that. Um, John, I, I'll go to you. Um, is, is that a deciding factor, the fact that Embiid can play anywhere where Jokic might be a product of his system? I personally don't think that. I think just someone saw his true talent, but... Um, what, what do you think, at least on that standpoint? Do you think Embiid's a better player just because of his ability to play anywhere?
4: I think Embiid's a better player because he's more of a defensive player than Jokic. I think that uh, Jokic is—the Nuggets don't have a true point guard, so Jokic does a lot of playmaking. Joel Embiid doesn't have that talent, but they have a true point guard, so they mean different things to their teams. Um, if he switch Embiid to the Nuggets and then Jokic to the Sechers— definitely the Sixers would be better. Not just because they have more talent, because M B without a point guard is much worse than Jokic without a point guard.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing, too, is the fact that if you give Jokic a Ben Simmons, he can actually probably get better looks from three, although that team is fantastic at getting open looks. And Jokic dropped off a lot from his, his three-point percentages. Him and Embiid were about the same, uh, both at 30. But Jokic on a career is around a 34.5% uh, shooter. But if you give him a Ben Simmons, a guy who could really open up uh, passing lanes for for him, I, I think Jokic would be even higher and, and, a, and at least be up near cat levels of you know a guy shooting 50, 40, and, and, and 80 from the line. Um, I, 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 I just think with the whole defensive thing, I, I understand that Embiid is definitely more of a force, right? If, if you're putting up one guy versus one guy in a playground, Embiid is 100% going to have more blocks or any, anything like that. Yeah. But we're talking five on five right here. And Jokic consistently was putting himself in passing lanes, two steal passes, one and a half steals last year. He was consistently putting himself in the right position to disrupt and, and cause havoc. And yes, he isn't a guy that is going to go up against Joel Embiid one-on-one in a, in a DC playground or anything like that, John. But I do think at least playing team defense, he showed his worth last year and he did get better.
0: Yeah,
4: he got better. Just not good enough.
1: In my opinion, but, All right. you know. I, I Hey, I, I saw a guy that wasn't getting really you know goofed on uh, on the playoffs. I, I saw a guy that was really competent out there defensively uh in the playoffs. I didn't see him slacking too much defensively no. in, in being
4: Jokic. I don't think anybody's making an argument that Jokic is a bad defensive player. It's just Embiid is just a superior player. All right. I, I'll say su- superior defender,
1: yes. But my, my whole thing has been <laughs> the gap between Jokic offensively and Embiid offensively is greater because of his passing abilities, because of his shooting ability. Obviously, it was about even there uh, when you take in the, the range. But free throw-wise, uh, I think Jokic was a better free throw shooter, although Embiid is not bad. Um, but but with that, I do think that the ability that he brings, passing wise, is much greater than Embiid. He is less of a negative when it comes to turnovers and, and and forcing up bad shots, where Jokic is typically taking better shots than Embiid. I think offensively, the disparity, the 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 discrepancy there is much greater than uh, Embiid's defensive prowess over uh, Jokic's prowess because it is five on five basketball.
4: But what and about Embiid?
0: Oh, go and ahead.
1: Is it Embiid averages two blocks a game? <laughs> <laughs> Three more rebounds than Jokic. Oh, okay. That, that's fair. But, I mean, with that, I mean, you, you could also say you know, Paul Millsap was, was on that team uh, for, for the Nuggets, and he was injured for a large part. But I, I don't know if their whole offense relies on Jokic grabbing boards uh, necessarily because I think it's it's more of a system of grab it and run and push the pace, more of, uh, more so of what we see. If they're
4: one-on-one, who when the box out – more times than not. Oh, for sure. Again, again. <laughs> if we're talking strength, Embiid's got him Embiid.
0: beat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm I've not. not uh, stupid. I see the.
1: I see their bodies.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, no, got so when say
1: they're that.
4: when they're playing driving to the lane, mm-hmm. and Jokic or Embiid is trailing, who who has a better chance of blocking the shot from behind?
1: Embiid. But I. But if if Embiid hits the floor hard, I don't think he's getting up. He's got up all year. He shows he's gotten up. He only played sixty games. 64 games, and he wasn't on the floor in those playoff games where Jokic played 82 and was on for all of their games in the playoffs. A lot of slow management. That's the future. Sixers ahead of the game. You'll see. I, I don't know. I, 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 they tried to manage his load last year. I know everyone laughs at that that <laughs> whole phrasing, but he still wasn't available in the playoffs where Jokic was. I, I, I understand they're trying to do his best to keep him healthy, but it's it's like ha- you have to have a babysitter for your best player, where Jokic is pretty much the baby out there. Yeah, and he's, he does a phenomenal they, job.
4: Well, they they got on babysitter. They got some sports sciences lady from the Spurs. Well, but, got, uh, you know.
1: They got a real babysitter in, in Al Horford. Like, they need someone to play defense for Joel Embiid now, too.
3: Uh, get out of here with that shit.
4: Play defense for Joel it, is Embiid. That, but the guy who
1: It was a joke. But, but is, that, is that not the <laughs> whole idea of that we need to give Joel Embiid time off, that we need to give Joel Embiid... Yes, because
3: their, their backup center Joel was Bobi
2: or fucking Jonah Bolden. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that's why his
3: on-off numbers were ridiculous was because their off was literally you're throwing well, in no one.
2: And the other thing that go, went into the load management for last year, too, I know he was injured part <clears> two, but yeah. this year it'll be, I think, easier to manage Embiid's load because Kawhi's not there no more. The Raptors aren't going to be as high as they are. The Celtics are a question to where last year it was the Raptors are above us. We need to get above them. It's going to be the probably the Sixers and Bucks fighting for one, two, and it may be easier to say, hey, you know what, maybe if the Bucks do have like a phenomenal season, hey, we don't have to chase the Bucks. We're fine with the two seed, whereas yeah. if you're fighting three, four, no, you want to get up as high as you can to get that that more, what's the word I'm looking for, favorable playoff position where this year they won't have to worry about that because the, the East – is weaker
5: ah, than it was last year. But see East here, the, the, the is, whole
1: week is East and, 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 and I understand the week is East, but then why did the Philadelphia the Sixers, week is East? Why did the uh, you know the week East? Why did Philadelphia Sixers win less games than the Nuggets, who were second in the Western Western Conference, the good Western Conference, where you know Philadelphia wasn't even the second best team in the Eastern Conference last year and didn't win fifty four games.
3: Consistent shooting.
1: Depth and I mean, consistency have the regular season. If they have the better player, you know I mean? is star better the power of the season. reason why? You want to be better in the
3: regular season, how many times in the last couple of years did the best regular season team win the championship?
4: Just I think the, the Warriors were the last a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, could also say, thing, is you could also say... The Rockets
3: say, haven't gotten anywhere winning. Okay, you know? but, uh, oh, you're the talking Giants best regular like, season Yeah, that's team. what I'm saying. Okay. Like, being good in the regular fair. season doesn't always equate to the playoffs. And the depth bonus of a team like the Nuggets gets eliminated because the playoffs, you want to get the most minutes but out of your here, most effective players.
1: With that, they both got eliminated in round two. But I even heard. then, who had a easier round one? Yeah. It was it was the yeah. 76ers where Joel Embiid didn't even play.
3: My last um, point on this whole thing yeah, well, is we're the we're X factor that. of Joel Embiid. That man gets in people's fucking heads. Mm-hmm. He gets them frustrated. He's going to line ten times a night. Like, the amount of fouls he gets guys to throw on him, the amount of flagrance that he kind of plays games with refs over, like... He knows how to get in people's heads. He shit-talks before games. He shit-talks during games. And he gets under people's skins. And they're I'm not Twitter, thinking about Twitter. the game. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about getting back at him. And yeah. that's something that you can't put into a stat. He, I mean, you can as far as the free throw at times the game. But, like, it's just there. there's something else to his game that
1: Jokic just doesn't have.
2: I want to piggyback off of that for one second. And that's mm-hmm. the thing where... And then
1: we'll, we'll let John get in. I feel that. like
2: these two players are polar opposites in a sense because... Jokic, to me, is the more reserved quiet, where if you ask him a question, he'll answer it, but he's not going to go out there and shit talk like somebody in the media, or he's not going to basically be bombastic, where that's Embiid's game. Like, Embiid lives off of being the spokesperson for the uh, Sixers team, and... He's this generation chef. For me, I feel like this year... Ooh, personality. Pers- okay. Personality-wise. Hey, I got what you up. were saying, Dave. Um, Thank you. But I feel like Embiid's going to have a chip on his shoulder this year because of how last year ended. And I'm not saying, like, Jokic ain't going to have a chip, but, like, Embiid's the type of player that drives off of emotion, where that's how you get the best out of Joel Embiid. And we may see a phenomenal season out of Embiid this year, Because he hates how last year ended. That's going to drive him to do better. And us making fun of him for crying at the end of the year, yeah, it's just going to drive him to be better this year to where I think he will be the best center at the end of this year coming into 2019-2020.
1: All right, John. My final words on the uh, Embiid-Jokic thing, because I I think I've said enough. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I think your dissertation said it all. <laughs> I mean, said it all that Jokic was did. better? No, you, you did. It. You did it. You know, there's no, no sense you know, over, over You know, over, over talking about it. You know,
1: John's my favorite. So John's let, me my ask, favorite.
4: let me ask you guys questions. I'm yeah, looking at your top tens. So all you agree that Al Holford is the powerful winner? Uh, yeah, well, I, we, our biggest thing that we were deciding
1: with this, um, because he's definitely gonna play center without a doubt, and he played, he's played center for the most of his career. Um, what we wanted to do at least for these is, you know, what's gonna be what the team's gonna look like, um, you know, in crunch time minutes when when they're you know looking to win these games in in close games or playoff time. And I, I think you would agree with this. You're gonna put your best five guys out there. So doing so, that means Horford play the four. Yeah, so so I mean, and if, if we did have El Horford, where would you slot him in? Because I, I think I'd probably put him uh, uh probably below Miles Turner just because he's lost a bit, but above uh, your favorite boy Clint Capella. Oh,
4: absolutely not! Absolutely not. Oh yeah, where'd you put the, the, him? Horford's way better than Capella. Oh yeah, no, no. I'd, I'd say I'd say <laughs> oh. below
1: Turner and above Capella. Oh yeah,
4: that's about right. Turner and and Horford, they're, they're, I think that's about even.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, Tur- 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 I mean uh, Horford's a, a much smarter player, can put himself in, in better positions, and obviously he has that, uh, you know, just great ability to stretch from the floor as well. But Turner has that youthful spirit, and, and he's great defensively uh, out there. Uh, is there any other problems he got, though, uh, with with Embiid or Jokic or, or Horford? Uh, I mean, you got, any, you got any takes about Clint Capella that you've been uh, loading up on?
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, Capella sucks. Just, <laughs> what? I don't see why he's in the top ten, you know. He's the I mean best i just pick in reference the center. Kevin Durant and like you know Kurt, Kevin Durant quote says his job is not that hard. When your job is that <laughs> is that hard. You know you just can't come out there and talk trash. You know. So, All he does is catch loud from James Harden and play a little defense.
1: So who do who do we miss then? Who who should be in the top 10 if if you're taking Capella out um and you're fine with the other nine guys, who would you be slotting in?
4: Uh i Whiteside has the talent. I don't think he'll have the production. Mm-hmm. Um looking at this. I think you brought up Steven Adams,
1: right? Steven Adams,
0: he's in everybody's top
1: ten, isn't
0: he? No, no. He, he
1: didn't make our top ten. So we got Gasol, Aiton, Just Dave. Drummond, Just me. That's Aiden, Drummond, B Turner, Vucevic, Gobert, Towns, Jokic, and B. That's the that's the top ten. So Adams is Adams is at twelve behind Brooke Lopez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see because I look at I look at that Adam, I think I think Adam Adams plays better defense
4: Adams is better than Andre Drummond yes he I is mean, Andre Drummond has much better rebounding
0: that's all he as does though
4: like, he gets played <laughs> off the court I'm
3: sorry Andre Drummond gets played off the court like yeah all he can do is rebound but that that's it that doesn't make a great center like no I'm saying Adams is better than yeah I absolutely agree my yeah,
1: point. Dave's agreeing yeah. you in a very hostile way because these oh. two these two
3: <laughs> here
4: put Drummond <laughs> at nine and I don't understand it I think uh, Enos Cantor is like he's rated pretty high on guys yeah. I think Mr. Robinson is better than Enos Cantor I, I think Mr. Cantor, Mr. Robinson had a lot of talent I don't know like if, if we're going with projection for 1920 yeah or we're we going for yeah
1: for 1920 yeah.
4: I, I would I would raise up uh, Robinson. I think he's he's gonna be pretty good.
0: Yeah, Robinson's at going, seventeen. If we're
4: going with projecting talent, I think Aiden will move up for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aiden, Aiden definitely better than Clint Capella. Ooh. If we're going projections,
1: hey, here's no the th- here's the thing with that. And uh, Capella has been a guy that again he he is all he has to do is set picks, and and that's all he has to do, and he has to block shots. that that's his main job. But he is a guy that has done that efficiently well, and a guy that is extremely smart in the front office is Darren Morey, and he clearly sees his value in extending him, right? And, and, and we see his defensive abilities out there, and we do see his ability as a role man and now you're adding another guy who is such a dominant pick-and-roll player who did so well with Steven Adams and Russell Westbrook, I think Capello's value is just going to get upped a little bit more because now you have to use him more in those pick-and-rolls. So while he does have a very easy job, I do think he does does that job very well where Aiton was kind of lost out there last year, and that's not a fault of his own. He's an extremely talented player, but... You, I think you look at him, and there was definitely something missing from Ayton's rookie season last year, mainly due to the system that he was in. Um, but I think if we're saying which guy's going to produce more, I, th- I think I have to go with Capella just because of how he will be used with Harden in the pick-and-roll and then uh, Westbrook in the pick-and-roll now.
4: I don't know. Westbrook can pick the role. I, I think you Westbrook too much Chris. I don't think that efficient of a player to talk about his. Hey, I his mean, can, with, when with
1: he goes downhill. Shot. Yeah, when he's when he's got a full head of steam and he, he gets a wrong yeah, that pick. Yeah, but that's what the
3: half
4: court. Russell Westbrook is like probably one of the best. You know, uh, you know, one the full court players,
0: but yeah. half mm-hmm. court,
4: he uh, gets a little limited. Well, I
1: think that's the only place that he is good in the the half court. That's why, is is in the pick and roll. Everywhere else he's kind of garbage, in the half court at least. So that's why I was like, you know, if you have a guy like Clint Capella who's done so well setting those picks for James Harden, I do have that feeling that he'll be able to do the same for for Russell Westbrook because we even see back in, in Russ's... Uh, you know, MVP day, that was a huge part of their offense, was that Steven Adams pick and roll. So maybe they could recapture a little bit of magic there. Um, I, I would say with Cantor... I'm sorry,
4: say it again. Who was, who was uh, the pick and roll partner
1: for Russell Westbrook? Adams.
3: Yeah, it was Steven Adams, right?
4: Oh, there we go. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, Steve. yeah, Stephen <laughs> <laughs> Adams. I, I just think that you know, cl- clearly, you know, a guy like you know Mitchell Robinson, he's going to be in our top ten. You know, c- years come and, and same with Aiton. But I think at least for this year, you know, those guys most likely are not on playoff teams. So I think you know, at yeah. least impact wise,
4: I think Jared Allen's going to be a pretty decent
1: player. Did I not say John I, was but, my favorite? I didn't say he was going to be a bad player. <laughs> I just said he's not there yet. They wanted to start
4: DeAndre yeah, Jordan over
0: Jared have- Allen a
4: couple of you guys have white side over Jared Allen. I don't, I'm not getting that. I, I gotta ask I think ask, Der- Derek Favors is a good good um pick for a lot of you guys for all three of you guys because he's opening up to get some more corner of offense.
1: Hey John, you know who had Derek Favors the highest? God, John. Yours truly. I
4: don't know if we can John have is, on, John because
2: like, my guy. <laughs> John is my favorite person in this world. You know whose head is the only thing bigger than Sean's right now? Joel and Yeah.
4: Who's that number eight you got him at? You got Derek Paytas. Is that it's eight? So Is that right?
2: Yeah, that's eight.
4: Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's a good pick. But why? Yeah. Why do you have him so high?
1: So, I mean, at a, Favors we, we talked about him a, l- a little bit in the last segment. Uh, but at least in this one, I mean, he I've talked about him so much as he was playing out of position cuz you're not going to put Gobert at the 4. Mm-hmm. You're going to put right. Favors at the 5 and go and Favors showed so much where especially with Ingles, and I'm surprised, you know, Dave didn't check to this. When he was playing with uh Ingles, he was so deadly as a 5 pick and roll man and he is so good defensively. It's hidden by Rudy Gobert. So now finally being able to play in his position, playing defense next to these speedy guards it's, like Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, and Zion, Zion Williamson. I mean, I honestly think that he's going to absolutely shine. And he's such a smart player. He's a physical player as well. And he's a guy that, like, similar to what Julius Randle did with New Orleans last year, he's a guy that's going to bang bodies down low and he's going to be able to be efficient at the rim. He was one of the most efficient players over the past five years, at least at the rim. Derek Favors is a monster. People have been sleeping on him.
4: Yeah, a lot of centers are dependent upon how good the playmaking is, especially the point guard. You know, you know I think that Alonzo Ball—he's pretty good point guard, you know, pretty good playmaker—and Derek Faber is going to benefit from that.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I just—I'm not ready to give in on it yet. I—I'm I, still picking my fights. I think that you guys are still sleeping a little bit on like Brooke Lopez is someone who I should have him prim- higher. You're currently low, twelve for the guy who basically he opened up Giannis' threes. game.
2: Okay, that's like, fine.
1: Big Splash Mountain. Come on. Okay, if
3: we're he's talking, he's a
2: center that can shoot threes. That's okay, the, I, that's the I one, understand the one
1: he could shoot threes, but that's the only thing that he has above all of these guys. But it's his impact on that,
3: his team that makes a difference. and, so, the okay.
1: and that, that, I understand that. But if Marcus Saul wasn't on the Raptors, they wouldn't have won an NBA championship. I'm sorry, that's more of an impact. DeAndre Ayton, if he f- has a playmaker, he will have more impact than Brooke Lopez will because he, he's a better defensive player and he's a better offensive player.
2: Marcus Saul's why they won the championship, right? <laughs> Not Kawhi.
4: They, no, Marcus Saul's the only reason they beat the Sixers. Thank you, John. <laughs> they wouldn't beat the Sixers with Valachinas.
2: My, my, John is in my head. My joke with my My joke is with there's Gasol one guy, this year they're not going to have that th- chance. There was
1: one. There's two guys in the Eastern Conference that could stop Joel Embiid or at mm-hmm. least slow him down. Right. One was Al Horford. The other was Marcus All. If they didn't have him, they would have lost, and we wouldn't see that crazy shot at the end. For, to, to knock the Sixers out and to push the Raptors onto the next the, the next round. And guess what? Who was a better player in the Eastern Conference Finals? Brook Lopez was nowhere, nowhere. Marc Gasol was able to be found. I put Gasol above Brook Lopez. Drummond, oh, if you want
4: to, Gasol wanna, much more talented. He's just
1: older. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If, if, I mean, if we're talking prime, I mean, Brook Lopez was Brook Lopez was like 15. The only reason why he's relevant is because he's playing with the Bucks. If he wasn't playing with the Bucks, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be relevant. Where Gasol's been, you know, a, a top center for the you know, yeah. past five years. Prime, Gasol will be number three. Yeah, I agree. I would yeah, probably... Now
3: you're infringing on Cat territory.
1: And that's strong boys' as well. Well, yeah, what's your What's your thoughts on Cat? Because I think Gasol's better than Gobert if we're talking prime. But Cat's such you an interesting a play guy play? In, my, in my mind. What do you think of Cat?
4: I don't like centers who can't play
0: defense. Oh.
4: No. Right. Bottom line. Thank you. Bottom line. But is he too and, high at three? You know... I think there's some truth in what a lot, a lot of what jimmy jimmy uh Butler said, so for me, I wouldn't build a franchise you know with cat, given what Jimmy Butler says about him okay, but you said so, so talent all put... his talent he's probably you know he's third but uh as far as the overall center he, I mean, he's up there as far as talent and production but as far as like being team teammate, getting a team to go to the championship, I'm not right on cat right i i I think I take the fell over cat. What's that? I'd take a pill over cat going for a championship. Really?
0: Yeah.
1: Hmm. No Damn. All right. I mean the the one one thing, guy wants so to. would you put right now going into 2019, 2020, would you put Gobert over towns?
4: I would I prefer Gobert. I like I want my defend I want my center to be a defender.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean and, and Gobert clearly has been one of the best defenders uh in the NBA, has won like what, three defensive player of the year awards He's now. He's
4: probably the best defender. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's disgusting. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's. I think insane. that
4: centers have an advantage over forwards and guards, as being a better defender. Kawhi probably individually is, but as far as position and NBA like and in, in basketball wise, mm-hmm. position wise, I think Gobert is a better defender, but not more talented defender than Kawhi. All right,
1: and, I and, see that. Yeah, and and we've we've struggled, and we kind of talked about the lack of of depth at least to this position. Uh, Twenty-one through thirty was just kind of a, of a rough patch of players. Um, if you had to sum up like the most important skill of, and I think I know what you'll say, but at least the most important thing for a, for a modern day center, uh, what do you, what do you think it is? The, the ability to stretch behind the three point line? Is it still defense? Is it rebounding? Uh, what do you think? What do you think the biggest skill that's necessary for a great defense, uh, a great center is?
4: At the start of basketball, when you were still taking the basketball out of the basket, it was rebounding. In the Middle Ages, rebounding. Today, rebounding. Number one skill of of, of the. NBA center is to turn over the turnover, the, turnover the ball from offense to defense.
1: Yeah, and I like it. It's simple. It's, that's why. And if we we're playing in in the start of basketball, Andre Drummond would be number one.
4: <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's a good, would be. good player. Great. I mean, he's a great rebounder. Yeah, him for up sure. In the top ten. It doesn't put him. You know, it doesn't his the lack of his other parts of the game just weigh down too much.
0: Yeah. I mean
1: if if he was even somewhat of an okay free throw shooter, maybe he would give him get more of some some love. But yeah, no. Uh he he's super athletic, but doesn't work. And Detroit's
4: you know, their best player is a power forward, which probably hinders drumming a little bit.
1: Yeah, and he's really never had a, a point guard, really. I mean maybe yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, interested in shit.
4: Dave, who's the best player?
1: It was Ishmith. Smith.
3: Huh? No <laughs> no, I'm saying like I don't think it's <laughs> That's Dave's boy. <laughs> that, that was my boy. Now he's, now he's stuck uh, over in Washington. Oh, <laughs> uh, poor Ish. Uh, we like Ish Smith in Philadelphia, so trust me. Hell yeah, he was fantastic. Yep. Um, yep. But no, I mean, like, I don't know. Drummond's an interesting case because I don't know if he's helped or hurt by Blake at the end of the day. Like, his career progression's just been interesting because he hasn't taken a step when we expect him to. Mm-hmm. Or does he help a He's able to facilitate uh, better than I expected him to. But at the same time, his offensive game has not progressed Where we'd hoped it would be at this point in time. Like, he still takes dumb shots. He still isn't aware of the offensive movement that should be expected of him to A, get out of the way for Blake at times, uh, or B, just needs to position himself better to get better looks. Uh, But yeah, like you said, like when when Reggie's your point guard or Ish, you know, who is a backup point guard in the NBA who I love, but like Mm. you're now starting point guard, that offensive system runs wonky because it has to run through Blake somehow now.
1: Yeah, for sure.
2: Like I just I feel like Drummond, if he wasn't averaging fifteen boards a game and almost two steals or two blocks a game, he wouldn't be on the court because he is the (laughs) one center to me. Just put
3: up ridiculous numbers. Well, he's
2: the one center to me that besides those things, he doesn't fit where the game is going. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't shoot threes well. Like you said, he takes bad shots sometimes. It's like he is not the center. That all these run and gun teams of the new NBA want to run, but because he rebounds the ball really well and plays good defense, the Pistons have to have him out there because he helps in that way.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing too we talked earlier about you know Joel Embiid getting in guys' heads, he's affected the the Andre Drummond thing. Uh, final thoughts, Ricky, okay. and then we'll we'll go around the horn. No, with John.
2: For me, the only Joel thing. Joel Embiid
1: is oh.
4: no. <laughs> who Drummond we going with daddy. first? Go, with John. Okay, John. Where is Joel Embiid is Andre Drummond's daddy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same hey, with came And Whiteside. And Whiteside. And Whiteside.
3: He's Kat. got a list. But Whiteside actually gets it up for Joel Embiid. That's the one time you see Whiteside go all at it. And, like, it doesn't end well all the time. But you do <laughs> see the Kat. best version of it. Yeah,
4: Cat. And Cat. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he owns Cat. Kat.
1: And that was, like, the biggest. That If you want to look at. <laughs> just de- disrespect. <laughs> yeah, if you want to look at what you said about yeah. uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns not being able to play defense, just look at what uh, he did when uh, Embiid came into the lane. Uh, Ricky, final thoughts and we'll go around the horn.
2: (laughs) The only thing that um, I didn't get to say earlier when we were talking about Clint Capella is the only reason I had him lower than Miles Turner when I was thinking between the two in a playoff series, who gets run off the court? Clint Capella. Mm. That's the main reason.
1: I agree with you. I had Turner over Buff Capella. Dave, final thoughts? Uh...
3: Boosie, man. Like, I just want to give him a, a smidge of love he to end the show.
2: Last year, like He was
3: like, an all-star. He was fantastic. He played great defense. He played great offense. The man is just not talked about because he plays for the Magic. Like, unfortunately, you were on the AC Magic who, you know, don't get love anywhere.
2: And Sean likes this. Guess where he was last year? 20th. Yeah, And nice. now he's a top five. Shut,
3: Shut up. <laughs> exactly. That, that was way too low. That was way too low. But... He's he's got an all around game and it's it's. We really all know where he got to
4: start in the NBA, right? Uh, he was 76er. a Laker, seven
1: right? He was right.
3: he 76ers. was traded for
4: Alfred Payton. Right? Oh, he was mm-hmm. part of that trade. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah. God, I know my process history, John. Part of the process. <laughs> John, give us your final thoughts, whether it be about the process and beat or any of the uh, centers we talked about. Uh, I
4: just trying to give a little, little attention, to DeAndre Ayton. You know, the talented young guy. I hope he puts it together uh gets uh, a little more weight and be able to box out for some rebounds and uh go for, grab some block shots. I think he has a developing offensive game. Phoenix is an up and coming team. I think that uh Aiden, you know, in a couple of years, so he'll be a top
1: five center consistently. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think the fact that he he finally got a, a true playmaker in Ricky Rubio uh, is going to be miles of help to his game. It's just going to be a, a boost that he desperately needs. Um, but if he gets that if he gets that boost, I mean, he's a guy that you know kind of underperformed last year, but is still in the top ten because he's he's got everything you want. Um, John, we want to thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to thank you for for backing me up on so many things, especially <laughs> the Derek Favor things. Uh, Derek Favors is my guy and has always been my guy. Uh, so thank you yeah. for that. But uh, thank you for being a patron. If you want to be like John, uh, check out patreon.com slash Uh, But that's going to do it for ranking centers one through 30. But let's move into the final topic. And we are super excited to finally welcome in our patron Sam onto the line. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a little bit of an issue because apparently we we're emailing the wrong email. But now <laughs> we finally got it all figured out. Sam is on the line. He's a Chicago guy. He's a Bulls fan. He's a Bears fan. Super excited to have him on. Sam, how you doing?
5: Awesome, guys. Glad to be on.
1: Glad to have you. And uh, you you threw out a great topic, something that we really haven't talked about before, and it's it's definitely an issue uh, in the NBA that needs to be talked about, and that's expansion slash relocation. If they are going to expand and should they expand, and if they do, what cities should they explore? So let's start off at least in the basic part about it. Right now there's 30 NBA teams. Should they expand to 32, 34, 36 36 teams, Sam? Uh, Do you think they should expand the NBA?
5: I think minimally it should be like the NFL. We should go to full 32. Full 32.
1: Yeah, I I I think
5: think that's just a magical number.
1: And and what what, what places do you think they should explore at least if they do add that 32? Because I agree with you at least with that.
5: Okay, number one. Seattle has to get a damn team back with that new damn arena being built. Preach. The Supersonics have to be revived. It's a criminality that they freaking went to Oklahoma, and they haven't had a team of any sort since 2008. I mean, it's ridiculous. There's just too much history in that city being basketball town, period.
1: And they're such cool logos. Like, it's the coolest name. It's the coolest color. Like, it's just an absolute crime, like you said, that there, there's not a team in Seattle.
2: I'd go back to the logo, though, like from the 90s with the actual spear with the basketball. Not the circle, with the S that they had when Durant left.
1: See, I grew up with the S, so I kind of like the S. <laughs> um, I thought it was
2: kind of cheesy. Like, eh, I like the old one. something <laughs> You
1: know, whoever wants it. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think Sam is Sam is kind of in your guys' age range so he might agree with the uh the, the, the uh the red and, and green. Which what side are you on at least if they, they do bring it back. Should they bring back the uh the gold and yellow or the uh the red and green same?
5: I think uh try to just give tribute to the entire legacy of the franchise. I mean I just want a team back in that city. I mean it's just like It's such a major metropolitan area in the United States, and they don't have a freaking basketball team anymore. It's just not normal, even after, what, it's been, what, like— Eleven years? Yeah, it's like, it just doesn't feel normal to me. It just
1: doesn't, especially with the, the the fandom that you see with the Seahawks. Like that is a team that can support a, a, a full fledged NBA team. I mean, they they they're clearly supporting the NFL team, and it probably helps if they're winning. But they've been there since the seventies. Mm-hmm. They can clearly support a large market team. Even soccer, yeah,
3: their, their, their soccer team the is Sounders. thriving. Yeah. Absolutely thriving out there. So, like, that city is primed for this team to come back, and I look forward to when it does happen because I think even Adam Silver was on record talking about how he would even prefer getting Seattle a team back in the NBA in the near future. And
2: correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. They, are they thinking about getting an NHL team, or is that that's pretty, like, in stone that they're getting one? They right? are getting on one. Yeah, that's what I thought.
5: That's in stone. It's happening. Yeah, I think two more years, give
0: or take.
1: I, I believe you're you're right, and I think it might start 2020. But yeah, Batman announced that there will be a team in Seattle, okay. and like Sam said, they already have the arena. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like a typical NBA uh, arena that's you know used for the NHL, just like the United Center, and yep. uh, you know it's used for the Blackhawks and, and, and Bulls. You be the same thing out there in Seattle? I don't think they've announced a team name yet or anything like that, but they are definitely close to, I think probably this year they'll announce the team name um, and probably some of the the higher-ups for that team uh, and getting them ready for the the next expansion draft um, in the uh, NHL. Uh, So, Sam, you already threw out one in Seattle. I don't think anyone has disagreements here. If they're going to expand, Seattle needs to be one of those teams or at least one of those markets. What would be your next team up there? What's your number two team or number two city that, uh, that the NBA should be explored to expanding to?
5: Well... My thing is, we've got to balance the conferences, so that's an automatic must. Automatically, we're going to be putting the revived supersonic into West, of course. Mm-hmm. The thing is, if I really had to pick between two viable potential new markets, I would pick either just Omaha, Nebraska, or Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Put Ooh. them into East.
1: I understand where you're coming from there. And 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 I, I totally agree that, you know, Omaha, we are see what Oklahoma City's doing. They've been able to support a franchise and they're always back in that team. And Louisville, I think I think the point that you'd probably make is, is it's a clear point. Uh Kentucky is a basketball state. I mean, that that team supports Kentucky, the the Wildcats. <laughs> they support Lu, uh, the Louisville Cardinals. That team could support and they have the fandom behind it. The only thing that I would say here, and, and, and Dave, I want to know your thoughts. Yeah. I, I understand Sam's thinking of if they go to 32, which I am, an, am a fan of, I think they get rid of conferences. I don't think you keep the traditional 16 and 16 Eastern and Western conference. I think you probably schedule it where it's easier and you have a similar schedule to where you play the teams that are more in your surrounding areas. But I think you get rid of that and you take the best 16 teams. Because right now we see this discrepancy between the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference is the weak East. And the Western Conference has 14 teams that could probably make it out of the 15 into the playoffs this year. They're all going to be competitive. They're all at each other's necks. Give the ability for these teams, the best teams, to make the playoffs. That's what it should be. Who cares about this Western-Eastern Conference bias? And I think although Louisville and Omaha are great suggestions, I I, I do think those teams would probably be the places in the East... And maybe St. Louis, if they did go out east and added one team in there, if they're adding to Seattle, I think the clear and obvious place needs to be Vegas. It needs to be Seattle and Vegas if you are adding two teams there. Because Vegas, we see they're getting the Raiders. They already are supporting the Knights at a basketball team. Basketball out west is huge.
2: So I agree with you with the Vegas thing. They're getting the Raiders. They have the Knights. Get on a basketball team. But, like, some other things. Number one, I feel like we have to have two conferences like why i i don't disagree with the best 18 or the best 16 get in but i feel like cuz every other sport has two conferences we don't have one sport where it's like hey here's a free for all and i know what you're saying well why can't the nba be the first one i just i don't think the nba will ever get away from two conferences i feel like it could be more of like a you know well it's exactly what it what it is right now so i mean what's going through my head is nothing new. I just it, don't think we're going to get away from it.
1: Here's the thing, is the NBA is supposed to be the forward thinking, mm-hmm. the, the forward thinking league, right? The NFL is killing its players with the way the game's played. The MLB is just dying because the people that were watching it are just dying off in general. I love the MLB <laughs> in my age, but people in my age range don't. And it's it's a dying it's, all it's about a dying
2: league. Instant gratification.
1: And we look at the NHL, the NHL has always been playing second fiddle to all these leagues. Mm-hmm. The NBA can be the first to revolutionize it. Take the best sixteen teams. And if you were doing that, the only reason why you have eight and eight right now is for playoff reasons. So get rid of it. There's no need to. There's no major rivalries mm-hmm. in the NBA. Which ones stick out? Yeah. Rivalries so, change over time. I mean that's well, the thing. Well Lakers that's Celtics, the thing is, get, Lakers get, get, Celtics holds up over time. That's the only one. And mm-hmm. it's got down years even in there. But yeah, I mean, but the even then even then, is it because of the Western indies <laughs> Conference? No.
2: No.
3: It's it's
1: because of the talent.
3: It's because it, it, of the it's talent. the personalities, it's everything about the team itself. It's not so much about the you know, once a year whatever matchups.
2: It's I, also I just... the games changed. Like back yeah. in the day, players weren't as buddy buddy as they are now.
3: Yeah, that that that's a hundred percent leans into. Also didn't have free agency back then.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, but not I mean, until
2: like back the then, 90s. <laughs> back then it wasn't like X player on the Bulls was tweeting X player on the Pacers. It was like. No, I fucking hate that guy. Like that kind of— like You could also throw on, you know. Yeah.
5: Yeah, <laughs> pistons, Bulls, Ring a Bell, that was some ugly crap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Without a doubt. Those bad boy Pistons. And, and that was one, too. But I, I think, you know, recently rivalries have just kind of gone away. So I, I don't know if you're on my side, Sam, if you would be on the side of getting rid of Western and Eastern Conference. Um, but, but I think if you don't, adding a team in the East would definitely make sense. But uh, where would you be on that stance if, if they do
0: expand Actually, to 32?
5: I would sort of do a more of a compromise. I'm somewhat too old school. I just like having two conferences overall because I just think it has too much tradition given how long the league's been around. My thing is maybe if we do eventually get to thirty two plus teams, maybe it's time for like a full like divisional change up and realignment of X amount of teams based more upon actual locality which actually could solve a lot of the logistical travel issues that the players have been complaining for about for probably the past couple of years especially. And as we've seen, you know, they push back, what, the start date by another week to give even more days off
0: mm-hmm. and
5: reduce the back-to-backs. Like,
3: no, I think, I mean, I think Minnesota is, like, the clear like culprit for this. I know they, year in, year out, it's usually them in Portland who have the most miles-traveled throughout the nba season so if you have the opportunity to shift a team like the timberwolves to the east that definitely would help out the travel schedule and sean lean into yours i think conferences are literally just around at this point you know you have the east and the west because of that it, it, it's travel like i don't think there's anything that in the rules that you know we could really divide up fairly and just be like well you know you're east and you're west still but like if you take away the names those are still the teams you're going to play because of travel reasons like mm-hmm. you can't have these guys flying across the country like every other day because of the schedule and i know as we talk you know future changes for the nba we've talked about that a uh, rumor of a shorter season uh, i think we're talking about like a 60 game season or something along those lines yeah. you know if we if we keep trending towards that then yes there is there are extra travel days and that's not as big of a problem but still, it is it's something demanding out of players to get on a plane, go deal with the airports, all that garbage, so like I could see a team like Minnesota or even Memphis, heck, like in New team, teams that are that far east over for travel reasons shouldn't be in the Western Conference if you're able to add two teams over there between Seattle and Vegas like that could be a great compromise in that grouping
2: I just for me, the only way I fix that is something that's impossible, and that's having an odd number of teams, which I absolutely hate. Because to fix that, how I would fix it is all right, put a team in Seattle, put a team in Las Vegas. That's two in the west. So two of those can move to the east. Yep. And then like putting a team in like Omaha, Nebraska that's like right smack dab in the middle that can work. It's got that basketball history. But they're not going to complain as much as like a Minnesota that's a little bit more northeast compared to Omaha, that's in the middle. But then you're an odd number of teams, and nobody wants that. Nobody and wants an odd number like me on why Omaha, total.
3: Nebraska. Is it just geological, or is there something well, behind no, that? I mean, because it's, I'll be honest, like, top of my head, I'm trying to pull off. It's like Oklahoma and City. And, you know. It's like
2: Oklahoma City for the Midwest, where it could be they've got Nebraska, and those fans are crazy for their Nebraska Cornhuskers to where if you put a team in Omaha— I think it would be exactly like Oklahoma City of the Midwest. Be a just great a small bit city vibe
3: and yeah. just the fans super, and super they, into
2: it. And if you come in, you do it right, they'll get around them and... Support them just as well as Oklahoma or OKC supports their team.
1: The, the biggest thing too is Kansas doesn't have outside of Kansas City. They don't have a large majority city um, outside of that one. It is close to Kansas, which is the birthplace of basketball.
2: Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: it's it's yeah. in yeah. that range of being in that you know area where the the, the sport was founded. Um, so hell, you know, they put they,
2: it in KC, but that's a little bit too far. Yes, yeah. than compared to Omaha. Yeah,
1: and, and they, they do have obviously the fandom too with the, with the Chiefs and the Royals. Um, Sam, what I, I do want to ask, and and I think that we probably are all at least there with you know let's move it to thirty two. I don't think anyone has any issues there. But do you see any issues if they do expand it to thirty two? Are there any downsides to expanding it out to thirty two, or do you think that one team should probably be moved just to Seattle to to kind of uh, hit that note, or do you think you know thirty two is a kind of a, a necessity?
5: Uh, I think 32 is ultimately just a magical number for all four leagues, frankly, because I would actually like to see the NBA sort of make a concerted effort with like even major league baseball since they're the only other league being at 30 apiece. Like, yeah, let's like try to coordinate our efforts here and try to like expand our business interests collectively as both uh, professional sports leagues. And, I think if they actually pick the right cities, like it could actually be a huge economic boom over time for the cities in general. Because, you know, what? The Raiders are going to Vegas? I mean, you know a lot of people are going to be making weekend trips to Vegas to go see a Raiders game and go gamble the night before. I mean... It sounds intriguing to me. (laughs) I mean, expansion's the only way you can go up as far as, I think, just trying to like further expand the rights because I mean the the one thing you got to like really respect about the NBA's business savvy is what I think in China we they barely were able to broadcast like what less than five games in a given month back in the 90s mm-hmm. now you have they basically digital access to every single moment you can With, like, the broadcast rights, which I think they just renewed with that Chinese company, which is responsible over there. Mm -hmm. You guys know how much that broadcast right agreement is for the next five years alone?
1: I think it's over a billion, right? Or something like that? Something insane.
5: It's like 800 mil. I'm like, (laughs) seriously...
1: Well, then with that, I mean, there there was talks in Mexico City. Do you think they should go then more uh, at least uh, outside of U.S. borders to, to turn, try to make it more of an international game? Or even a second Canadian team again. Yeah, or a second Canadian team. What do you think about that going outside of the, uh, the, the, the 50 states?
5: I don't know. I mean, if they can somehow get up in Canada again, that would be pretty fantastic. I don't know if they'd want to double dip in Vancouver again because that didn't exactly work out well,
0: unfortunately.
1: Yeah, I think that would probably be the one team, the one place that you had to have to think. Obviously, with teams that have NBA, uh, NBA or NHL franchises, um, but also with rabid fan-, fan bases, and the two that stick out would be Montreal and then uh, Vancouver. I think the one reason why they'd go Vancouver over Montreal. Is just because of the uh, proximity between uh, Toronto and Montreal, just so you don't have those fans overlapping, and possibly you know the teams that the fans that have been there since what '97 or whatever for the Raptors, yeah. um, you know they they will actually move. Where Vancouver, that whole western part of Canada, can probably adopt that team. I, I would f- find it a little bit difficult to, to go back into Canada because I think they've you know after that championship, Toronto just kind of owns. That, that, that whole province and that whole country uh, when it comes to basketball, I think that is the team there. And I think, you know, we, we have seen them struggle, at least with attendance. And now that they finally have gotten good, that we've seen them really come out in, in, in large masses. Um, I, I would think Mexico City would be interesting. I just don't know if, you know, what the venture would be like for your first team, you know, MLB... NHL or NHL NFL wise to finally add a team into a country because that would be the first time any of those big four did that um I I don't know if Mexico City would be one of those teams um with the Louisville idea um what do you think the idea should be building that franchise or or if you want to go to uh your your uh your other suggestion of Omaha how, how do you think they should build that team up?
5: Well, I think it's like, this hard, it's, like, just do it as a grassroots uh, thing. I mean, I think there's got to be some, you know, multi-millionaire guy being in America's heartland who's just, like, begging to, you know, get, get like, a real freaking professional team for a state after so many decades, you know, considering.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, with Louisville, it's definitely going to be, you know, Uh, An idea to kind of – and, Ricky, you probably know more about this. Mm -hmm. It'd probably be difficult just to get in there with the college basketball fans that are are stuck around there.
2: I would avoid Louisville, and it's only because, like, it's the state of Kentucky is Wildcat Nation, Cardinal Nation, and I would just avoid it. This is what's been going through my head, and I'm going to throw it out to you guys. It could be a little long in the tooth, but kind of stay with me. The one thing I – although I don't watch hockey as much as I probably should – The one thing I like about them is how they do their playoffs. I've loved them because I'm a divisional guy. I've always liked divisions um, and how they do it, where they have their four, two in each conference. Those teams in that, like for the Atlantic, they're all fairly close. You don't have to worry Mm -hmm. too much about travel. And you've got three from each and then two wildcard teams that could get in. And they have an odd number of teams, 31. So why couldn't the NBA, hey, we're going to expand. We're going to go to 33 teams. That way, teams like Minnesota, Memphis, and New Orleans could shift over into the East. And let's do that where we'll so, have kind of like four pods, and that's how we'll do it. And then no one's going to complain about travel. The only thing you will complain about is, hey, you got to be the best out of your pod to get into the playoffs. To
1: counteract that they're adding a 32 team. So, okay. so no yeah, and, are, and the, and the like, playoffs going to stay the same. They are, but 33 is necessary. 33. you could make it work with thirty three.
2: You could make it work. then from what I was so like, oh, I don't want that. Like, you could make it work, is what I'm saying.
1: Well, Sam, since you were kind of keen on the idea of making every you know MLB, NFL, NHL, NBA all having thirty two teams, what would you think of the NBA going then to thirty three?
5: I don't know. I would say thirty two is probably better because I think if you go odd. It's just going to create more cons than pros in the long term, in any in unforeseeable ways we can't even imagine right now. I bet.
0: Yeah, but, I, I
1: think it'd be weird too to have and, and give me your thoughts on this, Sam. It would be weird to have seventeen lottery teams rather than just a nice even sixteen. <laughs> and right now they have fourteen, which you know at, le- at least makes sense. Like I, I think having seventeen would just be. I, I, I'm. Uh, probably just an OCD person, um, but I like Spinch. things to be even. I, I like things to be, you know, the same. I like to uh, to see like the 16 worst teams and the 16 best teams. These this is the dividing line. This is yep. what separated the 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 middle of the pack here. This is why one team made mm-hmm. it and another team didn't. Where you know that that whole imbalance, at least having 33 teams, you know, could throw it off. Where you do have 16 teams, these are the 16 best teams. These are the 16 worst teams. That's why I'm in fan, uh, favor of the conferences. Um, I, I think you know going to 33 could kind of throw that off.
2: Which to just throw devil's advocate in there, the NHL does have a lottery of its own, and they do have. I know it's less than 16, but it's 15, and they make it work.
1: Yeah, but then they're going to go to 32. Like their whole idea yeah. was to add a second team, so yeah. like I, it's just right I now with the, the, uh, rolling agree. out Vegas and then rolling out even Seattle. is better. Seattle, but like, arena,
2: you could make an odd number work. I'm I'm talking myself into it could work instead of like no, even's the only way.
3: Yeah. I've got I've got a final question for you guys then. Is there enough talent to have two additional teams in the league? With the way superstars are grouping up, are we gonna have these smaller markets be able to hold, you know, high attendance numbers without being able to pull in big names? Because that's something where in earlier the expansion, we got lucky with the Miami Heat striking gold. Like that team when they were made in the late nineties, was like, Boop, oh, we got it, we have talent, and there it goes. And I just wonder, Sam, do you think do we have enough people or enough enough big-name stars to really draw in for expansion teams?
5: Well, I mean, that's just the other thing. I mean, there's just so many avenues you can find potential stars. You know what I mean? I mean, look, Chris Middleton. The dude was a major player in the G League for, like, what, how many goddamn years before he, like, <laughs> got his big-fat contract this offseason with Milwaukee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the thing is, I think. Well, the other thing is, it's like what, for example, like Spencer Dinwiddie, like he was like nothing substantial in the Pistons. We traded him for that. Ham um, and for bull, the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, had him for, you know, a num. We should have kept him for the love of God, but we waived him like twice, of course. But, you know, he ends up going to Brooklyn. Like the dude actually lights it up. He's actually a pretty damn good. Role player, and he can even be a starter in emergency cases, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like that's just the thing. I mean, what? I mean, the draft only goes like what? 60 kids can be drafted. It's like, how many of those undrafted kids, if you put them in the right situation, the right system, the right coaching, could really take off and be that, you know, next to Marcus Cousins,
0: Kawhi
5: hmm. Leonard, Ron James? You just never know. I mean, It's all about the situation and the opportunities you get ultimately.
1: Sam, I, I absolutely agree with you on that. And, and that's the thing is, and I think you can, you can see my point when I go, you know, you look at what the MLB has done, and the MLB had those discrepancies of teams not being able to track big names because they didn't have the salary cap. And without the salary cap, you know, teams that were in bigger markets were able to spend more, and they were able to get these bigger market names. So teams had to think outside of the box. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they had to think outside of the box, and now that guy's in L.A. because LA's like, well, that's the way you win. You have to find the best players. And that was the same thing out in uh, Oakland where we saw Moneyball. It's not all about having the best talent. It's not all about having the brand names. It's about thinking outside the box. And, you know, obviously, I don't know if you guys know this, but I I really like Denver. And I think Denver's really a really great team. And, yes, they do have Nicole Jokic, but they've found, you know, 15 guys worth. And
3: what was Jokic's draft pick?
1: 46. Yeah. So, I mean, you were able to find guys in the draft. And even then, they were able to fill out a roster that's, you know, 12 deep, 13 deep. So I think that you can find those guys, and it's not really about the star talent like Sam was saying. I think you hit the nail absolutely on the head. It's more about the system. It's more about the coaching. It's more about who is running and calling the shots. If you have Gar Foreman out in, out in you know, Omaha, then that franchise might fold. But if you mm-hmm. have a Daryl Morey or some of these guys that are these smart-thinking, analytical-driven minds, you can have an Omaha team succeed right away. Sam Presti, one of the best GMs yep. in the league— Made Oklahoma City work. If you have the right guys in the right places, you can make it work. Sammy hit the nail on the head there.
0: Well, it
5: comes down to scouting. That's the main thing. The scouting and talent evaluation is where you really find those guys. I okay. mean, like, look at Giannis. I mean, he was like selling. He was selling fricking like uh, what sunglasses on the streets of Greece. And, like this, some guy like these like videos on YouTube like doing pickup basketball. It's like, this guy looks like a real freak. We should probably try to get him. Hit <laughs> MVP now.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. And, and, like, and no one knew him. You're absolutely right. It was all
3: about scouting. It is kind of curious how little NBA uh, teams scout European basketball players. You see the top one or two, three filter in every year. But beyond that, I feel like it's it's still an area where you just see uber-talented guys continue to play over there for years and years and you know they miss their nba prime because maybe. teams aren't looking or you know there's there's just a, not an interest maybe
1: well then you're absolutely right and then ricky jump in right after this mm-hmm. who's the only player to go number one that's an international player
3: isn't it andrea bargnani yeah oh it
1: well bogut well uh, no bogut was utah yeah. uh, the one I, I totally forgot about bargnani clearly that didn't work out um i was thinking Yao Ming. And the only yeah. reason why Yao Ming did was because he was seven feet tall. It was yeah. hard to miss him, right? And he played well in the Olympics. and He played well in the uh, in, in, in the World Basketball Classic, mm-hmm. where he made you stick out. And even guys like that, Dirk, made them stick out in like those World Basketball Challenges or those U.S. versus Nike games or the U.S. versus German games. He stuck out, but even then, there was just an international bias that that guy wasn't good enough. Hello, Luka Doncic, number three overall. Why did that kid not go number one? Yeah, that that I mean it, that still exists. So I think Sam, you're right. I mean scouting will open up those teams in those markets because you can find guys like Luka Doncic or 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 you know a uh, Dirk Nowitzki if you scout right. Ricky, what were you going to say?
2: I was just going to say if let's say by adding two teams, three teams, you're adding more roster spots. So maybe someone goes overseas. Also, it's the difference of Draymond Green was a second rounder. What if one of these new guys was like, "Hey, I want to draft him." Or the guy that goes 31, 32. They're now a first round pick and they get that kind of that protection of like, hey, we get the first round, not just money, but the contract, the it's a guarantee, ca- the club options to, hey, I can keep him under. And that's the whole thing where the league is going to and has gone to. We want you to keep these guys. We don't want them to leave your team.
3: Unfortunately, the players are going the opposite direction. Although the
2: players are like, no, screw you. I want to go where I want to go. And that's just um, the difference of it where I don't think adding two teams would hurt in that sense if we went to 32. Um, Players are going to go where they want to go regardless. Um, It would just basically for me to make it more of a competitive league or to lighten up like if you want to move Memphis to the east, if you want to move Minnesota to the east, to give those – travel constrained teams in easier load. Dave, give you your final thoughts.
3: I think at the end of the day, basketball is a growing sport. It's it's rising in popularity, it's rising in fame, and it's become a global sport more than the NFL could ever hope for. And as long as it keeps growing in that direction globally, I heard there was a rumor about, you know, 5 on 5 basketball potentially not making the olympics, you know, in the next two rounds of it. So, mm-hmm. we'll see where that goes, but I think as long as it keeps growing globally, there's no reason to not expand because you're just getting kids uh playing basketball from a younger age. You're getting more of a structure built up for them to come up through the ranks. Canadian basketball has been huge in the last 5 years. If you look at the talent that's come out in the NBA draft, it's incredible. And I think European basketball is still untapped for the most part. So, you you start there, India. We're starting to see a couple guys. We're starting to see Japanese players. We're starting to see you know Asia mm-hmm. as a whole. So I think that there are so many guys that aren't even like people aren't even aware of yeah. who are extremely talented. If we can open up those teams, we can open up those opportunities for them.
1: And Sam, first time on the podcast, so this is gonna be your first time being asked, but definitely not your last time. We can't have we can't wait to have you back on. Um, but we always ask final thoughts. I'm. So glad you brought this topic uh, up to us and you have me excited about, you know, Peja Stojakovic and Drazen Petrovic and Vladi Divac and, 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 uh, and, and Tony Kukoc, all those guys that probably wouldn't have been seen if it wasn't for scouting. And, you know, if they do tap those international markets, relocation expansion could absolutely work. But uh, end us on a high note for, for this topic. You killed it with the topic idea. Um, what are your final thoughts on expansion and relocation?
5: I think it's just an inevitable conclusion with uh, Adam Silver. I mean, he said it's like a matter of when versus like being the, it just, it it could be like next year, even it could be like 10 years down, but it's going to be happening like within probably the next 25 years. Mm -hmm. We will be at the 32 teams. Yeah. And for all we know, as far as when that occurs, what the, the next, NBA superstar could be, like, found in frickin' Madagascar.
1: (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely, great job, Sam. And, and you're right. We we don't know when the next where the next guy's going to come from. Uh, you know, Akeem Olajuwon, pretty much untapped. Uh, jo- Joel Embiid as well. Uh, you know, you'll found And then we, we we you know we have Yao Ming. You have all these guys like Dirk as well. Some now of these guys just Rui coming out, up and coming. Rui as well. Um, yeah, guys that can definitely play some trails uh, are out there. Hell, we can even throw out Matthew Dellavedova Devo- De for uh, for Australia if we want to. Um, Sam. Thank you so much for being a patron, and thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Um, if you want to be like Sam, you can't be, but you can be a patron like Sam and join us uh, on patreon.com slash You can either be on the bronze tier and join the Discord. You can chat with Sam. He is super active in the Discord. You could be at the silver tier where you can throw out topic ideas to us, or you could be uh, in, in, on the uh, gold tier just like Sam is. And you can call into a podcast and throw out your great ideas uh, like relocation or expansion, but you can't throw out that one because Sam just used it. Um, but, again, Sam, thank <laughs> yeah, you so I mean, much I- for joining us.
5: I mean, I, po- I post so much crap basically. I mean, I basically break every other story now.
1: You do. <laughs> you are. You're he, our internal Woj. Yeah, he is our Discord Woj. It's, uh, it's a great job by him, uh, always putting out uh, great articles uh, on our on our mindset. So, uh, Sam, thank you so much, and uh, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, and uh, if you have any thoughts about expansion and relocation, let us know down in the comments below. Big thank you to John as well, who joined us. Big thank you to Sam, who's currently with us. Uh, for Dave Oster, for Ricky Whitmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.